At Coco Talk, we'd like to thank our Patreon sponsors. A warm thanks go out to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Christina Armstrong, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Webke, Grant Leedy, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Steve Bjork, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., and Tim Lindner. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good morning, everybody. It's another Coco Talk, the leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. We've got a special show for you today. We're going to go around the world and talk to a lot of people, and they're from other countries. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. <laughs> okay, great. I felt like a regular Howard Stern there hit, hit right hit the post there on the on the intro. Um, I'm a buoy. WNBC coming at you live. We've got a fantastic show for you today, um, and we've got uh, all sorts of uh, great uh, panelists and people in the live chat. Um, it's just uh, overwhelming, and uh, let's just quit the show now. Should we, Nick Marota? <laughs> let's just stop it. It's it's going to be downhill, downhill Russian from here. Alex, Alan Murphy points out that anybody outside of Texas is from another country. So that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, everything is bigger in Texas, including uh, uh, ego. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go there, and you go here, and you go everywhere around the world. <laughs> Well, I, I think we've got a special guest. Uh, you can probably see a new uh, face um, uh, up there on the panel. I think we'll we'll uh, go ahead and talk to our regulars, and then uh, loop around, and we'll uh, we'll hear from our, our special guest today. Speaking of international and people from other countries, they tell me that Canada is one of those other countries, and uh, we know him, we love him. He developed stuff for 
OS9. His name is L. Curtis Boyle. How are well, you? Well, everyone, uh, I, my, my sled dogs are out back there. They're you know basking in the sun for summer here. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so uh, great to have you again. Of course, a big contributor to uh, the show as well as um, as well as all the coding you're doing for uh, ease of use. And some uh, special stuff to show later in the show. That's a teaser, folks. All right. Ooh, oh, oh, foreshadowing. And uh, I don't know where I'm I'm hearing this, but ease of use beta six I think is coming soon. Uh, or maybe that's uh, a few months away one. yet, but it's coming. Yeah. How about well, five point one? <laughs> At least I'm not lying. You know, it's a little wishful thinking on my part, but uh, it is it is certainly coming soon. <laughs> um, David O'Connor from Down Under, you guy, you know a lot about music, and you've 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 really nailed it with this Coco Three inside of a TRS eighty box. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, actually. Looking forward to a good show today, and we've got uh, lots of uh, toys and things to show off today, so it uh, should be a good one. Great. Well, uh, you you know him as our resident Apple guy. He's got uh, an Apple there in the in the background, and after Windows crashed on me last night, I was uh, definitely thinking of going over to the Apple side. Uh, how mm-hmm. are you doing, Mark, and uh, how is your how is your Apple doing? My Apple is doing great. It's running. Uh, I wouldn't say anything. Oh, it's Alien Downpour. That's a new, newer game for the Apple II. Anyway, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Great to have you. Um, a guy who has a garage and a lot of stuff in it. You know him. Uh, he's wearing a Radio Shack a T-shirt, just in case you weren't sure. But it is. It's really him. It's Ron Delvo. It's Ron Delvo from Ron's Garage. I also have Delvo Observatory, where I look at the heavens and post them on Facebook. Sometime when you get a chance, Delvo Observatory. Check it out. It's a little commercial. I like the way you describe that. Look at the heavens. It's so peaceful. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Psalm 19. <laughs> yes. It is pe- peaceful. Uh Next on our panel, Rick Euland. How are you doing, uh, Rick? Oh, fairly well. And as an expat from Texas, I stand by ready to help translate if needed. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all but, welcome. <laughs> all y'all welcome. That includes more than one person. Oh, y'all. <laughs> Great. And um, a, a gentleman who knows a f- also knows a few things about music. We've got a very musical panel uh, it's Brian Schubring, and uh, Brian, uh, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing just ducky in that. Uh, got uh, showing my background here, you know, you know, kind of emphasize, you know, what a woman's like. Whole bunch of knobs with lots no. of functions, and you knobs can never figure it out. <laughs> That's right. Well, Simon's not uh, Simon's not on the panel to giggle at the word knob, but uh, we'll. <laughs> We'll just move. <laughs> move have to do it for him then. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't have a good segue from that one. But a, a guy who just uh, has really taken the uh, high score challenge to a new level, uh, and it's, it's been the talk of the community. Uh, Nick Moroda from L Canada. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yes, I'm very pleased with the. Uh, the reception that the Game On Challenge has taken. It's been a lot of fun to uh, be part of that. And I thank you guys for uh, allowing me to uh, to head that up. Okay. Segment. And and just since I, I was so uh, uh, enraptured with hitting the post in my intro, I did not uh, mention what was the game 
last week, just in, for people that don't know Nick. Okay, I almost said next week's game by accident. The game, no, past, <laughs> the game this past week was Cashman. That's right. So we're going to talk about Cashman a little bit later and the results, and then maybe uh, we'll find out when the next week's game is. Uh, if it's Nick too many doesn't. games in my head right now. There's not enough room. <laughs> I think next week's game is next week. Uh, that's right. <laughs> right. Well, uh, as a proud owner of a Joey, with the, which has no less than two toggle switches, and an owner of a switcheroo, which has no less than one toggle switch, switch I can't wait till your next toggle switch project. It's Jason the Coco Man Riker. Howdy, howdy. Yes. Hey, next toggle switch project. Uh, project. I'll just say stay tuned. And I'd also like to welcome everyone Ooh. to Coco Talk, the new home of the Nick Morota Dance Party, featuring David <laughs> Ladd and the Turn Signal Orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's, Sounds that's blinky. Groovy. And I've got, my doc- I've got my Diet Dr. Pepper, and we'll go ahead and crack it open. Mix it with some water. <laughs> well, we've- I've, got, I've got some. Hey, well, we've got a f- it. thanks for being on the show, Jason. We've got a couple of uh, game programmers on the panel, including our next uh, guest, who uh, you know him from uh, Timberman, which you can buy right now on itch.io. We'll post that on the chat. Uh, it's Paul Thayer. Yay. Hey. You're muted, Paul. There you go. How you doing, guys? Holly T. Stop hey. filming him. <laughs> Great. Well, Paula, let, let us know. Do you have any uh, any big news we should uh, save time for? Or any segments? Nope. I'm just hanging out. Just uh, hanging out. That's great. Yep. Well, great to have you here. We're going to break from Digger 3 testing, I think. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, once we get to this part of the panel, uh, we, we, we sometimes need a little bit of a pick-me-up. And there's no better person to do that than a guy who's excited <laughs> about just about everything. He's he knows about floppies, whatever they are. It's David Ladd. Hello, everyone. I am glad to see everybody's here, and we've got a full crowd. Hello, Nick. I'm glad to see that you've arranged to be here today, even though it's in the middle of the night for you. Are you ready, Nick? Are you ready? I'm ready. It's going to be a great fun day. Yes, it is. Let's move on to you, Nick. <laughs> David Smith. As usual, a very subdued Mr. David Ladd. Was that a finger slap? I don't I know. Nick's speechless. Well, uh, uh, the guy... The, down- the intro for Nick's already been done by David, so you might as well just have <laughs> yeah. Nick say hi at this point. Well, I can intro. The Dave, uh, Nick Morentes is a guy who's he's against technology until he's for it. Uh, he is. He was against running water, and I think electricity uh, felt there was no market for it. But then he came around, just like the six three zero nine, and someday OS nine. It's Nick Morentes. Hey, hey, everyone. How you going? <clears throat> just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, just began now. Pretty well. <laughs> How could you see so, the David Ladd segment, you know? He, hearing David, yeah, that woke me up. Makes me want to leave. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my phone for my alarm in the morning. Are you, are you dreaming of your next game? 
Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on another game now, but All uh, right. nothing to right announce now. just yet. He's working on it right now as we talk. Does it have the word COVID in it? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Does it have the word vaccine in it? No. 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 Okay. no. Definitely not. All Does right. it have the letters SG in it? Uh, no, no, it doesn't. Does it have it, the word C-Mode 3 in it? <laughs> okay. Are we y'all, playing, y'all can wait for next now? week's yeah. announcement. Okay. That's the man is not ready to share this information. No, no, I'm not ready. <laughs> the reason our program went four hours is because we were guessing the next game. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Does it have a load A in it? Yes, well, that's that's a good segment because a guy who knows a lot about load A and deck B and all sorts of uh, CPUs and Motorola and cycles and things like of that nature uh, is James Diffendaffer. Are you out there, James? I am out here and I am just sipping on gin and juice with my mind on my money and my money on my mind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> May not and be I'm the debugging best place assembly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, any, we'll be coming back to you, James, for uh, different uh, uh, rap quotes throughout the evening here. Uh, please. Uh, I call you James Diffy Diffendaffer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if there are our next, our, our, uh, our other guest, I was going to say our final guest, but we have a special guest. But our regular panelist, uh, last but not least, I don't know how many rap lyrics he knows, but he certainly knows a lot about uh, game development and Load Runner. He's the uh, the the maker of Digger One, Two, and Three. It's Chet Simpson. What's up, everybody? And he does know a lot of rap lyrics. I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, most of them I can't repeat here. <laughs> oh, certainly knows some good rap lyrics. Yeah, West Coast. Maybe you can teach Samuel Gimes some of those moves. It's all gone downhill after you digitize it, Jeff. Yes. I don't. I, I don't think he's going to want any of my thoughts. Samuel Gimes <laughs> is still recovering from all of those bombs going off in that in that warehouse. Um, we'll have to see if he, I think he does have some, some stuff to say though today. Uh, well with that, I think, um, what do we want to do? Uh, Curtis, want to take a short, uh, you know, commercial break just to clear our heads from the panel. Yeah, we'll do so a bit of a teaser. The next segment after the commercial break here is going to be following our theme. You can see on the bottom of the screen there, Coco around the world. And we have a special guest. He's up in the upper left corner there named Peter. And we'll let him introduce himself after we come back from the commercial break. But he's going to show off a Scart Coco, an official Scart Coco that Tandy sold in France. Hmm. So stay tuned. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back after these words from Coco Do. Coco Talk will return after these messages. Un ordinateur couleur, quelle personnalité Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. And now, Coco Thought by Samuel Gimes. If you're using your color computer in Quebec, 
and it stops working, is it now a cocoa won't do? Hi, Ron Delvo, Timberman, Cocoa Fest, Cocoa Talk. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, one cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Coco3scartcable.com. Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on, everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack's store-wide manager's red tag sale is on now. We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio Shack today. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Foppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Cocoa Talk. Well, Stevie's at the beach today, so... Uh, oh, he's... <laughs> no. <laughs> he's trying to earn a living today, but uh, nobody does cover the uh, cocoa like Steve uh, Strobridge, and he might be popping on uh, later in, in the... I was going to say later in the hour, later in the Did day. Did you introduce yourself, Rob? Uh, Rob stepped in at the last minute to take uh, care of the show today. So Everyone. Thank you I'm, very much for doing that. I'm Rob Inman. I'm known as a Tandy Color Computer 3, my favorite color computer. Uh, on Discord, I encourage you to join us uh, for uh, Discord um, and uh, chat on all sorts of things. And uh, I had a uh, TRS-80 Color Computer 2, 16K, moved up to 64K. And then once I discovered the greatest computer, Nick Marotta, the Tandy Color See, Computer 3. I'm nice to you. I came <laughs> back with that. It was no turning back. I did discover OS 9 and, and was really amazed by what, what that was capable of. And so True. here we are. Uh, OS 9 is cool. All these years later, I, I started uh, poking around YouTube and discovered the, this show. So really happy uh, to uh, to be here and with you all today. Thanks, Nick, for pointing, pointing out. For, I, yeah. I don't necessarily like the spotlight but uh uh i do have my head down here i probably should uh, say who i am <laughs> but well, that, i want you to know it's appreciated right oh well thank you for that and appreciate all the work that you've been doing especially making those videos i know how hard that is i mean to do every week um so appreciate you stepping in to, to kind of do some of that um work um and keep the show fresh 
So uh, anybody just... else want anybody else want to give us some positive feedback while we're doing it? <laughs> <So>, uh... <laughs> yes, you, you can save your com- letters of complaint for uh, later. We'll. I will. Uh, Nick, I will. You, Nick, you say you need more feedback. Any other? Oh, here we go. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, that that's some good feedback right there. Get a good feedback cancellation going on there. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, certainly. Uh, let me let me acknowledge the people in the chat if we must, but we must. And we've got Quinn Good, and he's uh, always saying uh, stuff out there. Nimble is out there. Uh, Robert Allen Murphy. Who has three names, just like kind of like a serial killer? Um, he's out there. Uh, wow! <laughs> wow! Interesting. Well, you know, the, the, whenever people get arrested, they they give their full name. I don't know. It just Tell made him, me stop right there. <laughs> just asparagus. He has a good sense of humor, which is fortunate uh, since I just uh, referred to him that way. Robert, uh, you always do a lot of work on uh, on our uh, Discord server. I appreciate you, Curtis. Uh, just uh, given uh, uh, the time, Al Hartman from Jersey. Al's all you know, worked for uh, all all sorts of jobs um, there related to the TRS-80 and the color computer over the years. And uh, Mark O uh, is on the panel. You know him as our six five zero two guy. He translates from six eight zero nine to six five zero two. And um, who else we got out there? Alexander Wallace. Um, is that Todd? That's not Todd Wallace. That's Alexander Wallace. No, oh, it's different. Different person. Different person uh, entirely. Alexanderson, Mexico. Alexanderson, Mexico. Anyway. Oh, great. Well, uh, it is that's the theme of the show, Coco around the world. So welcome, Alexander. And uh, uh, sadly, we have Retro Innovations, who is always sitting under the bridge, trolling us uh, mercilessly. And he is here. Kevin Holloway is here. Uh, boy, the list goes on. Frodo, who. Uh, who needs some hazard pay, perhaps, after playing Bomb Threat for whatever it was, uh, 72 hours straight or whatever he did. (laughs) That was amazing, and I think we have caught up to the live chat. Ken can make it. The the manager of, I don't think I'm giving anything away, but he's the manager of Samuel Gines. He's the the talent, uh, the, um, what do you call The agent, thank you. Yeah. And uh, he's, you know, handling Samuel Gimes is not an easy uh, task. So we thank you, Ken, for your service. Lantertronics, welcome. He said, I teach at Georgia Tech. We have vertically integrated product project teams, and I have one specifically devoted to old stuff like this called retro-futuristic hardware. So uh, thank you, Lantertronics. It sounds like you might have a lot to talk about. Maybe you can join us on the panel Um later or another time uh that's really interesting jim gary is out on facebook hanging out on facebook uh dave and sharon mr dave 609809 on uh discord tjb chris who makes great videos and lots of them have os9 he's got a lot of great computers he's out there he's sitting on the patio with coco talk and a hard seltzer is there any better way to spend a saturday <laughs> I think if you do watch this program long enough, you do need an adult beverage. Yes, uh, it will <laughs> drive you to drink, Chris. So uh, uh, we apologize. Um, and uh, Canadian retro things. I mean, like I said, it's it's a uh, who's who of uh, the community out there. Uh, Lantertronics is saying hello again. And um, I think I think retro innovations 
is saying something rude with his ASCII art, but I'm not sure. Uh, so <laughs> we are we are caught up, uh, and uh, I think since we brought up the the panel and and the chat and Discord, we should at least look at who is new to Discord. Does anyone want to know who's new to Discord this week? Yes, I oh, do. Yes, run the list. Here we go. Is it me? We'll find out. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord This Week. This week, please welcome Monkey69, Kevin. He started with the 16K Model 1, is now working with the Cocoa Pie and learning OS 9, Basic 09, and Assembly. Quinn Good is working on repairing and restoring his uncle's Cocoa 2 from the attic, which has got him into retro computing and collecting. Cargo, the Cocoa was his childhood PC. 8 Bits in the Basement Peter, he's been into computers and electronics since age 8 and currently owns the official Tandy Scart Coco. Also a big thanks to Alpen Grace, Voice on Tech, David Ladd, Jim Rye, Paul Fiscarelli, Rob Inman, Terry Steggy, and our patrons for boosting the server. Join us on Discord at discord.cocotalk.live. See y'all on Discord. Discord.cocotalk.live. We'll see you over there. But with without further ado, um, Curtis, would you like to introduce our uh, next guest, and uh, uh, we'll learn a little bit about Paul, Peter Cullen. I would like to point out that Peter Cullen, this is not the uh, voice of Optimus Prime, uh, also a, a, a gentleman named Peter Cullen. I learned that. So, uh, um, but I would like to know more, Curtis. Over to you. Okay. Well. Uh Peter put up a rather interesting video, which we covered on the news segment here, showing us official Tandy Scart Coco, which I'd never seen before. So I got in contact with him on the YouTube chat, and uh, we kind of went back and forth a bit. And he was a bit busy, I think, the first week. And uh, we asked him to come on the show and kind of show off the computer and kind of, you know, also explain, you know, how he got into computers and how he found the Coco, because he's, he's relatively new to it. And uh, he's a, an expat from Ireland who's now living in France. And uh, Peter, if you want to kind of give us a summary of how you got into computers and how you got into the cocoa and stuff, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, sure, sure, I can. Listen, thanks for having me, guys. But um, I started, like you say, I started in, in computers. They weren't retro at the time when I was about eight years of age. And uh, I always wanted a computer, always, always wanted one. But uh, I couldn't have one. Because my parents, they wanted that I played sport and all that kind of thing. Instead, they figured if I if I had a computer, I wouldn't play sport. So um, I never played sport anyway. But uh, I loved I, I loved retro. Well, I say retro computers. Now at the time they were new, but I I, I loved computers. So um, all my buddies had them. So I used to go to their houses and uh, I could play a few games on their computers and which and what. And then eventually I ended up getting a secondhand Vic Twenty. And that was when I was about 11 years of age for Christmas. And uh, it lasted for about a week. And then the TV modulators on the VIC-20 were very, very, they, they were flaky as, flaky as hell. And um, it, it packed up after a week. So uh, I had to wait a further 10 months, but then I got a Commodore 64. And uh, I was delighted with that. And uh, I could swap games and all that kind of stuff, which was a big thing at the time. And um, yeah, I, I, I played around with that an awful lot and then I sold it. I got an Amiga 500 and uh, then I sold that on and I went into PCs in, in 93. And uh, that's basically what I was doing with, uh, with computers from about the age of eight when I didn't actually have any apart from, 
sheets of paper trying to to draw pictures of what was on the screen because I figured, you know, you play around with a sheet of paper and a pencil, you had a computer, as I was kind of sad. But um, yeah, so what what I did uh, what I did was I, I I worked in computers for a time. I used to um, I was working with a company that's that's closed since, but we used to manufacture RAID systems and uh, storage systems. And uh, then when I um, when I moved here to France, uh, I decided that I I get back in. See, I, I I had always been into electronics and soldering things and. Um, and seeing if I could get things to work and little stereos and little little TV things and all that. But the, the great thing about retro computers is that they're they're simple enough at the very base. So um I could I could take them apart and I could modify them and I could upgrade them and I could break them, but then I could fix them again. And uh, and 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 I found it to be a great kind of doorway into um into electronics and stuff like that. So like I say anyway, I, I like to look around and get old computers that are preferably broken or not working and try and bring them back to life. So um, I decided in doing this, I decided I'd make a few uh, a few videos and throw them up on YouTube while I was doing it. And that's when you came in, Curtis, because I had bought a, a Coco 2 here in France and I got it. It was really a pitiful amount of money I paid for it. I paid, I paid literally nothing for it. Uh, the guy was looking for very little. And uh, it was it was on the site for about two months. He was looking for half nothing, and somebody else offered very little for it. And he said, "Yeah, sure, I'll take that amount. I think it was about about fourteen euro. I think it's really really nothing." And um, the person didn't take it, so I chimed in and I said, "Look, I'll take it from you if you wish." And uh, I got this cocoa, and it's in very good condition, which shows that here in France, I believe. People love their Amstrads, the Amstrad CPC um, 464, and the 6128 was a big computer here in France. And I think the reason the Coco I have is in such good condition is that somebody must have gotten it. They used it from time to time, I think, but it was never loved, loved. You know, it was it was kept in a box. I'm sure is is pretty much what happened. But um, anyway, I made this video on updating it because. Being completely a newbie to the co- to the cocoa, I know absolutely nothing about them apart from the fact that they existed. And uh, it it arrived at my door, and I opened up. I said, "Oh, it's a nice little computer." And I I never thought anything of it because a lot of the computers here connect with SCART to TVs. It's it's the standard here, and or it was at least up until HDMI. And uh, I plugged it in. I got the green screen, and I said, "Oh, it looks it looks strange in, in comparison <laughs> to other computers that I've seen." But um, yeah, I I, uh, I started playing around with it, and all I could really do was um, was try out a few games that I knew already, so that I could compare them to um, computers that I I know. But um, an awful lot of stuff wouldn't load for me, and I discovered it was because I only had sixteen uh, kilobytes of RAM. So I said, okay. Uh, I looked for a few games that should load with sixteen kilobytes of RAM, and uh, they wouldn't load because I didn't have extended basic 1.1. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll have to do something about that. So I, I had a look around on the internet and somebody offered to program a ROM chip for me for, I think they wanted $50 or something. I said, yeah, yeah sure, I'll get back to you. Yeah, that's fine. And I said, what I do instead was I buy a ROM programmer because it's cheaper to program the thing yourself if you can. So uh, I managed to, to program the ROM chip and uh, I managed to change out the memory. And I, I said, I'd, I'd make a video about it while I was doing it. And um, it's not a fantastic video. I'll be honest, it's not fantastic, but it's a video. 
and um, you saw it, Curtis, and you were yep. interested in it. And you said you you asked me would I like to come on the show, and here here I am with my uh, with my cocoa behind me. But um, yeah, no, that's that's my story, kind of from birth up until now, in in three minutes. So uh, yeah, that's that's me. And like I say, I, I don't know if you guys you guys are surely familiar with scart sockets and and stuff like that. You are surely. You've you've seen them. You, yeah, you, some of some of the adapters we sell for Cocoa Threes to get color. Actually, Jason Riker can, can contest to this because he makes them. I actually, use SCART to to get the signal across to get the artifacting colors to work. Yes. Yeah, so the um, the SCART cable can work in two ways, and uh, for the Xbox and some of the more modern consoles, it does because I've actually got a, a SCART connector from a from an Xbox here. This is one that that does composite and uh, and stereo sound to SCART. And uh, what that does, in fact, is you've got all your 21 pins here. There's only, when you're using composite, only pin 20 is being used. And uh, it's, it's, uh, SCART is, is kind of two systems in one. You've, you've got uh, your sound and you've also got your, your composite pin 20, which will provide a composite color signal to a TV. But for true SCART to work, you need to have your synchronous signal on pin 20, and then you've got the three other pins, the red, green, and blue pin. And you've also got to provide a, a voltage to pin 16 in order to let the television know that, that you, you want to use red, green, blue SCART. Otherwise, it'll default over to, uh, to composite. So with an awful lot of systems, uh, like if I, went, if I didn't get a cable for this uh, with it and I tried to make up a cable, in many cases, you could end up wearing up everything just right plugging it in, but you get a black and white uh, image on screen because uh, SCART cable or SCART connectors are a little bit finicky that way, a little bit funny that way. But uh, yeah, there, there, there you go. That's what I can tell you about SCART. But um, like I say, uh, you wanted to see the image quality of, um, of the computer I have here. So uh, I tried to set up a little webcam here so that you could see maybe if that will switch. There you go. I've got Phantom Slayer running on it. Looks good. Just that you can have a look at. But, yeah, it's a nice um, clean signal. I mean, for us, used to NTSC RF, you know, back when the Coco 1 and 2 came out here, it's it was all fuzzy and messy, especially when you back then you were trying to tune it in on channel 3 and 4, basically, and you had interference sometimes from local TV stations, so it looked like absolute crap. So that looks like really clean and nice. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fully aware of that because we had the same thing in Ireland. That was the way it was with, um, with uh, any of the systems we had, Commodore 64 and all that was true RF on a uh, on on the TV and uh, we we ended up with pretty much the same thing it was uh, it, it was uh, a, a kind of a, a signal that you could nearly see the other TV stations through that kind of way you you, you had bars rolling down the screen sometimes and, and and it was a little bit snowy or it was a little bit uh, it was a little bit off but it's true that with scart uh, you plug it in you've, you've got a crystal clear image. And um, yeah, this this Coco, it came out of the factory with with SCART as it is, because that's um that's that's the way they were done here in France. Actually, um it's not a CCAM system. France uses CCAM or did did use CCAM um, as the US uses NTSC and most of Europe uses PAL. France was using CCAM, it was their own um their 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 own uh, signal carrier, if 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 you like, it um it had many many things in common with PAL, but apparently the way that it um 
the way that it dealt with its uh, color signal was quite different. So um, this actual system, though, I believe is, um, is PAL, although it's for the French market, because um, I've also got a, um, just as, a, as an interesting little one that you may or may not be aware of, uh, the, the Atari 2600. Uh, in America, you've got 124 colors on screen when you're playing any of the games on the Atari 2600, one that came out back in the late 70s. And um, in most European countries, you've got 104 colors, I believe, because the uh, the TIA chip was modified, or not modified, it was it was redesigned by Atari so that it could be um, it could be used for NTSC or for for PAL. But uh, they kind of when they saw that the French market was going to be very small, they decided they weren't going to redesign a new chip for CCAM. So uh, what they did was they modified. Both, well, they modified the console that it could take either the NTSC chip or the PAL chip and convert everything to CCAM. So there was an awful lot of uh, extra resistors, logic chips, a few capacitors and stuff like that, extra put on the French version. But what you ended up with was instead of having your 124 colors or your 104 colors, you ended up with just eight colors on screen. And the colors that they well, they didn't really pick them. I, 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 don't, I don't know how they came up with what colors they were going to use, but the colors that they ended up with were horrific. They, 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 they looked really bad. So, um, yeah, I, I think what they did was they were using a black and white uh, signal and they took different levels of gray and assigned the color to each, um, to each level of gray to come up with their, uh, with their, their eight colors on screen. So um, you had... The reason for that was there was a law in, in the 80s in, here in France that said uh, any device that connects to a TV set has to, or here in France at least, has to use CCAM because the French wanted CCAM to be the standard and that was it. So Atari weren't allowed to sell a system that, that looked nice and worked well here in France. They had to adapt it to the CCAM. So um, it's just a kind of a, an, an offshot that... Uh, the French ended up with some systems that were, weren't great. And it seems that they ended up with other systems like this one here that gave a, a beautiful crystal clear picture on screen in comparison to, uh, to what most of ye had in, um, in the US and uh, what, what the rest of Europe had really, to be honest, you know? So um, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much all I know about, about, TV signals and that kind of thing. And I know from watching the news here on this show two weeks ago that um, that system is on, on the inside is very, very different in uh, comparison to, to what you have. The layout is different and there's extra circuitry in there as well. And uh, I believe I believe that must be for uh, encoding the red, green, blue side of things. It must be because... Uh, Otherwise, you you just have your RF modulator, and uh, I think the way they work, you've got a composite signal or something goes into the RF modulator, then it's modulated and spat out to television. Whereas um, in in this guy, uh, I, I don't even think there's a, well, there must be some form of a composite signal or something in there, I suppose. But um, I I don't know exactly how it works. I mean, I'm I'm I like electronics in that I'll take a solder iron and I'll put a resistor on a chip and put a blob of solder on and see that it doesn't blow up. But um, I can read a schematic reasonably well, but when it comes to how something works in relation to something else and uh, what we can change things for to obtain a certain result or whatever, I, I got to admit, uh, 
I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be fantastic. You know, I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't, you wouldn't want to have me diffusing a bomb. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple of questions. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, what does this machine look like? Is there somewhere we can see it? And um, well, we're actually going to be bringing up the pictures here shortly. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I've taken. I sent Curtis there a week or two ago. Well, I didn't. I put them on my on, on my drive. There, they're, they're available to pretty much anyone. But um, I, I took a number of photos of the interior and exterior of the system. So I think I pretty much covered everything. And that way, you you can have a look at the layout, at the chips that are in it, the keyboard that's in it, because it's actually an a Zerti keyboard that's on it. It's not a QWERTY keyboard. It's a, it's a laid out for the French um, for the French market, and uh, that way you you can compare. You can look even down to the plastics. Uh, there's there's moldings on the inside of the plastics. There's some stamps and some numbers and stuff like that. And I thought you might be interested maybe to um, compare that with, with what you have and see is it uh, is it in some way different at that level as well. Now I know that this particular system was made in Korea, and there was an awful lot of um, there was an awful lot of, of cocos that were made in Korea because they were made in uh, they were made in the US for a time, and then I think the the, the fabrication moved to Korea. Yeah, um, and then I think it very briefly moved back to the US right at the end of the Coco 3's life too. But yeah. Okay. Well, I I all I know is that particular one um, is definitely a Korean model, uh, so I I don't see why they changed plastics and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure you know. I'm sure everything is the same apart from the PCB and. Um, and the power supply, I suppose, as well, because the power supply is a 220-volt power supply, so it would be the same as for the rest of Europe. We've got the, the same power right across Europe that, as far as I know, anyway, we do we, we have different type plugs in different countries, but we've, we've got the same power standard, you know. And um, so, yeah, no, I, 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 I took a few photos that you could, um, you could have a look at. So I, I took them in as high a resolution as I could, so you can zoom right down in and read the... Read the um, the labels on the chips and all that kind of stuff you know i i, I figured um i figured if, if if you're interested in in the system because i i'll be honest i am um, to me when i got it i thought they, they were too a penny you know I, I i didn't think that it was anything uh anything special as such being a, a scart version you know but uh but uh when i found out that it was i said um i said well i try and contribute something back to you guys and and I take a few photos. Yeah. And, and Rob, I believe you still have the uh, the pictures queued up, which we can kind of go over. And Peter can you know talk about certain things. Yeah, in, actually, in case it's there. Peter uploaded the, them to the, uh, the the Google Drive, so I have them all queued. If you, you know, whenever you want to look at them. Is the twenty six part number different than ours? For the processor, you mean? No, it's the uh, number on the back of the, you know, on the bottom the of the product process. number. You mean? Yeah, product number. I, I think they did. They they added a five or something at the beginning or at the end of a, a part number. Yeah. I As think. we go through the pictures, actually, we can point that out and, and you okay. can get yeah. some of the other things there, there, there too. There, so. there was cool. definitely a digit added to show that it was made for um, for either the European market or for maybe for a SCART, a SCART let me, system. Let me pull up the uh, pictures then. Um, yeah, and then we can have Peter kind of describe them and if anybody has any questions. They can, they can throw at Peter while we're going through the pictures. I think this is it. Let's see. Are you seeing this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is it, is it um, big enough? Uh, if you want to zoom in a little, I, I, I don't know. It's just uh, you guys, like I say, would know an awful lot more about this stuff than I would okay, because um, 
I, I know that the board is um I know that the board is laid out a little different. Um, I'm getting some uh, I'm getting some sound here. Is that who's the sound coming from? Is that me? I'm not sure, but I'm hearing it too. So yeah, me too. So it sounds like a printer in the background too. Okay, well, thanks uh, everybody. If you could, if you can go on mute, um, or or mute your uh, your your YouTube or whatever. Um, oh, this here's the main motherboard, and you can see it's a bit of a different shape than we're used to. And you can see the connectors on the back is is a bit different. Oh, hold Stream on. has uh, the Alps. I think, yep. Right? Hold on. Uh, I just I just noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was uh, going to be displayed, but this works. This works. Go ahead, Curtis. Oh, as you can say, you can see from the motherboard here, it is a bit of a different design than we're used to on the the NTSC models, and I think a bit bit different than the PAL ones too. There's no can. Yeah, I, I know from seeing some pictures of American models, I know that there's a heat sink over on the left-hand side of the board. And on the American one, in, in many cases, it looks like it was crushed or was hit by a hammer. The, the fins on it are kind of um, deformed, or the shape's, uh, shape is a little different, I don't know. But that, that part of the board juts out an awful lot more to the left. And uh, on the version I have here, there's that little heat sink is also there. But uh, it doesn't it doesn't jut out quite so far. I don't know if you can see that there down on on, on the bottom left hand side of the board just under the power supply, where um would it be just and under the power uh, supply? And can you blow that up a bit? No, there's obviously no RF modulator at all there either by the looks of it. No, oh. there, there's there's I I believe I believe that down in the bottom left hand side of the PCB there itself of the main board. There's um, there's a lot of resistors. There's um, there's a lot of uh, a couple of little logic chips and stuff. And I believe that that's where any of the RGB decoding is done for uh, for the SCART signal. So I think they're using some kind of resistor ladder setup or something like that. I, but then again, I, I I don't know for sure. What are we looking at? I what I have on the screen in front of me isn't a picture. I don't know what We're... I have on the screen. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a weird, long, skinny thing showing some up sort of window. Screen. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's just locally. The, the, the YouTube stream is fine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The browser. It's a browser. It's a, okay. it's a narrow strip of a browser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your share is different from what's going out on the stream. Hold on. Not yeah. Sure. Yeah. I can do it yeah, this yeah. way. Weird. There. There. Yeah. there we go. Oh, that's better. Yep, yep. That's, yep, got it now. Yeah, keep going. Everyone can see it except the panel. Okay, <laughs> but so now you also, guys can. <laughs> also, you can see there just above um, the large capacitors there on the left-hand side of the board. There's a small little um, white connect or a small little black connector with a white base on it. That is the uh, the the part that connects to the SCART cable. It's it's like an SVHS um, type socket, and it connects to the SCART cable. And uh, yeah, that's that's instead of the uh, RCA jack. On the um, on the TV modulator, that's what's in place of it. It actually occupies the same hole that was drilled in the plastic. That's it's uh, like an S video. It it is like an S video, but S video would generally only have four four um, holes in it, like to take your um, to take your two grounds and your Luma and uh, the other one? There's another Luma. Prime minutes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Uh, this one here has more because it's taken the red, green, blue, the sink, 
it's um it's taken it's also given a five volt um i think as well which is to do with the pin 16 like i i tried to explain there earlier to to set the television into red green blue scarf mode and uh, i i think there's eight i think there's seven or eight uh, the seven or eight little uh, pins that plug into it. Actually, among the photos there, I sent a picture of the pin out as well for that. And I also sent a, or I also put up a, a, SCART, a SCART pin out as well to show what corresponds to what. But, so, um, so this bottom left corner of the board is basically a half, well, a dozen transistors and resistor array to hand create the signal instead of using like a RF modulator thing in a can that did everything for us, right? Is that that's what I'm looking at? That's what it, that's what it appears to be, yeah. And I, I, I would imagine that's exactly what it is because you don't have that. Do this have doesn't a... have a, a modulator, so I suppose there, there is straight swap. Does it have a modulator for this setup? There's a dozen transistors down there. Yeah, they're they're doing yeah. something by hand. And yeah, I, yeah. I know yeah. I say a resistor ladder setup. This is now this might very limited knowledge because I know that for the Raspberry Pi, there's like a VGA connector available for the um, for the GPIO pins on the Raspberry Pi, and that uses resistor ladders in order to generate a red, green, and blue signal to go out to the VGA monitor. So that's that's just my my supposition i suppose i'm just that's that's the way I, I i would try to explain it but like i say personally i really know very little i really know very little about it apart from the fact that it's there okay and uh, rf is, modulator isn't is there a salt chip there i i think the salt chip is the one on the bottom left hand side bottom left hand furthest most uh, chip on left hand side uh no no. Uh, just just the beside the um, the six eight four seven. Yeah, right beside the VDG there. This yeah, for the actual chip mm -hmm. on the bottom. Yeah, if you just yeah, just right there. there, that one. I believe that's the chip. It's a touchy chip. I, I believe I that's it. One. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, don't know. should we go to the? Yeah, a, go to the next picture. Okay. We'll just we'll kind of discuss as we go here. Oh, there so, you go. There's oh, the there chip we we're talking about. Close up of it. Yeah. So there you go. That's the um, I, I I said I'd do a close up of that. If the, it truly means something to some of you, if you wish to have a look and study it in some way, I don't know. But um, there there's um, there's whatever is there within. Yeah, they'd be, what's they'd be hand building. I was just going to say they're they're hand building analog signals right there with transistors and resistors. There's a couple so, of fairly hefty uh, output transistors there too. Two SC two three one four. That's a, that's a they're almost power transistors, but they haven't got heat sinks on them. So that yeah, might be something cool. to do with the. It's uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely a full on discrete RGB. That's neat. Okay, next next photo. Okay. Hey Peter, what sort of camera did you use on these? They're really nice. Uh, that's actually it's um it's my daughter's camera she has a uh i don't even know what the name of it it's it's a chinese camera it's uh I, so I DSLR. Tell you what the name of it is <laughs> i can't yeah. tell you it's beautiful pictures yeah, yeah they're clear they're really nice yeah so there, there there you go i think there was a d printed down here in the bottom right hand side of the plastics i don't i don't know what that means i don't know if that's uh but i i said maybe Maybe you might be interested in uh, just 
as I know for for a lot of, a lot of old systems, uh, there's there's a lot of talk on comparisons of very very small things, minor things that can be quite interesting. So I figured I'd take a picture of pretty much everything I could. And, uh, and it, yeah, thanks it, for doing that. Actually, these pictures are great. And, and Mark has posted the link in the YouTube chat so people can actually zoom them up on their own excellent. systems and take know, a really I'm, close I'm, look. I'm glad to be able to give something back. And if I've got something that interests people, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share it, you know. No, this is unique. This is good. And here you can see they spell the word color right. So that's always good to hear. Color. Too, so. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> I want one of those badges. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, yeah. Now that's just the I, I read somewhere that the um, the frequency of the uh, crystal oscillator there on this board is different than on the uh, on some of the other ones. Now I don't know if that's true or not, but I said I'd I'd, I'd just make a point of taking a photo of that. So maybe uh, maybe again maybe of interest. I don't know. Yeah, for people here that are familiar with PAL cocos, is that the same frequency or is that different than PAL as well? That's that's a uh, it's fourteen point two three. The the, the Powell, um, That's obviously you've got to divide that down to get the the chroma signal. The chroma signal in Australia is uh, four point four three megahertz. Uh, that's Powell. So that fourteen point two three would have to be divided down evenly to get four point four three. If four point four three is the same chroma frequency, but I'm not sure what CCAM is. I think it is a similar frequency, but I think the phase relationship is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know that, NTSC is what is it? We use a fourteen point one three eight or something. I can't. Yeah, remember. that divides down to three three point five eight. I think is the is the chroma frequency for NTSC. And that's socketed there, isn't it? The the chip there on the side is socketed. Yeah. Yep. Like yeah. The crystal says sunny on it. Are most of these chips socketed? Um, as as I remember, I know the memory chips are definitely socketed. That chip there is. As is the um, as is the ROM chip. Uh, when I say the ROM, I mean for the for the basic, for color basic one point three. That um, that chip was um, is also socketed. And um, I off the top of my head, I can't tell you without seeing the photos, but I'm sure yeah. we'll find out in yeah we'll find out in the next photo them. if they're socketed or not. So I'd love to be able to say, oh yes, yes, yes they're all socketed. But honestly, I don't remember. This is the back of the keyboard. There's a number on there's two numbers on it. So I said. Uh, there we go. You may well be interested in that. So that's the reason I took that photo. There you go. Like I say, it's an Azerty keyboard. So that's the way uh, any of the official French keyboards would be. They'd be Azerty. Oh, yeah, but well. there, there is actually a difference with, um, with the Coco. Because uh, usually here in France, to get the numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 on the top of the keyboard, you would have to press Shift and press one, two, three, four, or five to get the numbers. Whereas on any other keyboard, you press the number without having to get shift. And in order to get like uh, the the hyphens or any of that kind of thing, you would press shift and press the number you want for it. But it's backwards in France. But on this particular uh, on, on this particular computer, on the on the Coco 2 here, um, it's an Azerty layout, but the difference is if you wish to type one, two, three, four, or five, you don't need to press shift. And uh, it's missing a lot of the, the French symbols as well, like little E's with the accents on them and, uh, and those, those kind of French language signals are missing off the board. So I think actually that the membrane is what's different. 
the um, there's nothing changed in the ROM or any of that to read the keyboard differently. It's just the membrane is laid out differently as well. Oh, so they rewired the keyboard internally they, to match they've the pretty much, yeah, they've, they've pretty much rewired the keyboard in order to put um, A where Q should be and, and things like that. It's it's just the membrane. I'm sure if I change the membrane out, I go back to a, a standard um, a standard keyboard. For, yeah. uh, I, I do notice like some of the symbols are in different places, like the question mark is not in the same spot we're used to either, so... Oh, is that changed? Okay. Oh, is okay. it not next to the shift? Oh, it's not yeah. either. The plus is next to the shift. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's a, there's okay. a few few differences so, in there besides the letters themselves. The numbers are basically the same, but yeah, the bottom row yeah. there on the right-hand side is, is rearranged from what we're used I, to. I, I, I would imagine it's laid out the way a, a regular French keyboard is laid out. Um, that would really confuse yeah, looking me. At, looking at my <laughs> PC keyboard here, it's pretty much the same layout for the, for the question mark. And, uh, and and a few of the other symbols like that. But like I say, generally in France, if you want to type on the, the top row of um, of keys there to type 128, for example, you wouldn't just press 128, you'd have to press shift and press 128. In other other ways, you'd end up with uh, with symbols on your screen. You know? uh, Nick, Nick Morota, uh, have you seen a Coco Du keyboard like the official Quebec French one? Did they use an Azerty? Or did they I use don't QWERTY? think so. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure other than the QWERTY. Okay. I've never seen an Azerty keyboard in in, uh, in person. Neither have I. No. I'm looking at this, and there's two things going on because the Coco keyboard is a teletype keyboard, not a typewriter keyboard. So the top row is all wrong anyway. And so <laughs> by making the top row right, as far as the keycaps they had. Maybe they had to move some of the punctuation in the bottom just to, because they've only got the two layers on the mica, the folded plastic matrix thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe so it was sort of makes sense. Yeah, but I remember because I learned, I learned to type on a teletype. So when I moved to the Coco, it was great. Everything was in the right spot. And then when I got my former job and I had to type on a regular keyboard all day, it was. It wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> Who thought we'd get so much talk out of a keyboard? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, no, that's that's the keyboard, quite obviously sitting into where it sits on 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 the yeah, and that pretty well matches back together. I mean, there's there's absolutely nothing new there. I don't think that you wouldn't yeah. have seen before. At least, okay. we get, at least we didn't get somebody coming in saying, I've got a Dvorak keyboard on my... Uh, oh, there we go. There's the serial number. Serial number. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the There's model number, which five. has that three-digit prefix. That's different. That's it. There's either... Oh, uh, yeah. Stay, stay on that one for a bit, Rob. So you got 265. We just have 26, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And that's yeah, whether I'm, it's I'm, Australia, Canada, the US, we all had 26. So this is unique to France, I think. Yeah, it's mm. it's the five has been added in, and I think there was another model number as well. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think there was, or maybe it's just the fact that there was also a 31, 34 B as well, that um, that shared the same 265 prefix. Yeah, but, that would be the, um, uh, the true lowercase VDG. Also, it says if you notice here under where it says Tier City Color Computer Two, it says Paratel version. What is Paratel exactly? Oh, I was Paratel, just going to ask the same question. <laughs> Paratel is what the French called SCART. Ah, okay. Ah. 
yeah it um yeah that's that's what they call it because when i was here in the beginning i went looking for a scart connector and i was in the shop speaking my my best french after being here about a week and a half and uh, nobody <laughs> knew what i was talking about when i was saying scart to them so um well they do i i mean there are people who do because it's 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 pretty much well known now but um at, at the time when i was in the shop that was how i learned the word uh perita because uh yeah that's that's what they call it here that's it's, it's just just a direct says, substitute of a word it says tandy computer center c-e-n-t-r-e yes yeah, that's also proper spelling so. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what's wrong with that oh, yeah just too that's good <laughs> yeah it's yeah, good yeah. it's excellent yeah. they did this it's really interesting <laughs> this, this that they one did passed this. the international spell check that's all i gotta say yeah, I was just—it's really interesting that they did this for the French version, but they didn't do it for the Australian versions. You know, I wonder why. Yeah, why did I, Tandy do that? <laughs> you'd have to ask Tandy. Did somebody <laughs> say? Tell me why did Tandy do that? I don't know if the UK versions and all that—if they spelled color color or if they retained the American. Uh, C-O-L-O-R, spell it. I, I, I don't know. Also, the serial number is 2 million. <laughs> yeah, I have to guess yeah, that's yeah. not how many they sold in France. Um, mm-hmm. I'd have well, to guess they started the serial numbers for the Paratel version at 2 million. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 yeah, the regular color computers, hundreds of thousands, right? Yeah. We're not sure because they kept restarting the numbers depending on you know certain submodels like the A and the B and... The Coco yeah, 2 but, started over, and I think the Coco 1, some of the different board revisions might have started over too, like the F board, so it's hard to tell. Well, I know, but mm, uh, mm. we've never had a million marker. Uh, didn't the Coco 3 have millions? I don't think so. I don't have one handy to look uh, at at the moment, so. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to check. All right, do you want to keep going, Curtis? Yeah, yeah, next one. Yeah, that's that's it together. I mean, it looks like the case and the the keyboard, aside from the later, the keys looks to be identical to what we're used to in the North American and Australian UK versions. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that that's what I'm saying. I believe it's just the uh, the membrane is different, and they just swap the keys around. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. Mean, they're, they're exactly. Uh, the same it would be neat to see the back end. Oh, that's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> it says Radio Shack. <laughs> that's interesting. That's right. So these are the um, these are the chips I removed when I was doing the upgrades. There's the um, there's the Tandy Color, Bra- Color Basic 1.3 chip there on top, and the two memory chips that I removed are two 8K um, two 8K chips. Uh, what are they? They're eight 14 16s. So they were they were the original chips that came from the factory red. Yeah, those those are like the 44 64s we knew here. Now I did notice these are 120 nanosecond. I think most of the North American ones were 150, weren't they? Uh, good question. <laughs> I know the Coco 3 had to go to 120s because the gimme, if you had 150s and then some early upgrades did have that, they had problems where the, some of the hardware scrolling stuff wouldn't work because it wasn't fast enough to keep up. So it starts well, crapping out and doing weird stuff. But I'm surprised that the Coco 2s, which didn't need the extra speed, actually were selling with 120s here in France. Well, Tandy would put in anything that was cheap that week. So, Oh, okay. Maybe this was a deal. <laughs> that answers it. It's true because that was, that, that was the reason I believe that they had that little satellite board as well, because the upgrade on, on this unit could be done either by swapping those two um, 8K chips out for two 32K chips, or there was also a little um, a little daughter board or a little satellite board that had eight uh, 665 chips, I think they were. 
And uh, that could be slotted in. And I believe the reason they had the two ways of uh, doing an upgrade was whichever was the cheapest at the time was uh, was was the way they would go, whichever set of chips were cheaper. For yeah, we had that on our later model Coco 2s here too. They had the same little daughter board with the 84164s versus the 24464s. Okay. So yeah, no, but that, that that's that's what I've read. What I read is what I read. That's all I know. If the person writing it was wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, Robert well, Murphy's chiming in on the chat too, and he said, "Yeah, the Coco One and Twos were 150 nanosecond here, and uh, Mitsu 150 nanoseconds could have problems with the Gimme 86." Talking about the Coco Three that I was discussing, but Neck 150s would fix that. So there were some timing issues that uh, oh. you know just had swap chips. And most most upgrade manufacturers, the Coco Three eventually just went to 120s. I wonder, was uh, um, but, warranty the same? As in the states, it, it says uh, on the Cocoa um, Facebook thing, the TRS eighty Cocos originally came with warranty of three months. Yeah, ninety days. Yeah. Totally ironic, <laughs> considering most of them have lasted thirty years or more. <laughs> <laughs> how Next many, slide, please, Rob? I wonder how many of you guys have had to take your uh, cocoa into shack because it broke. I never have. I never did. None. I My original once. one's still working fine. So, um, no, what are we looking at just, here? Uh, this is just a picture of a SCART plug on the television. I, I, I said, look, I said, I'd be as thorough as I possibly could. <laughs> and I said, I'm sure you've seen it before. I said, look, this is what a SCART connector looks like. Now, I'm sure everyone's seen one before. But, um, yeah, just just to be thorough. Okay. Cool. In the... Uh, in the late 80s and early 90s, I actually was, used to work as a TV repair tech, and they were trying to make SCART popular in Australia, but they never really succeeded. And we had some TVs that had SCART connectors, but nobody ever used them because they didn't know what they did. So I mean, we knew what they did because we had to service them. So I knew the ins and outs of, of SCART connectors, but that's about as far as it got in Australia. Okay. Is this uh, just that's, uh, that's uh, interesting because I didn't yet. Yeah, I, 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 I know it's a big thing here in Europe, but I said it's a big thing. Um, back in the 90s, every TV you bought, well, I know in Ireland anyway, and they they had SCART connectors on them standard. That was one of the things. Even if you didn't have the video the video ports, you you had the SCART. But uh, this here is just just a picture of the uh, of the plug that plugs into the back of the Coco. It's got the uh, seven pins, like I was saying. Yeah. And yep. uh, it's it's like a little S video connector. But like I say, it's got three extra pins on it. That's uh, if you're RGB. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. So you you've got your red, green, blue. You've got your ground. You've got your uh, your sync signal, and you've also got a voltage there. So and I believe one of the pins is is non-connected or unused. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's actually actually the way it works. There needs to be a voltage of um, twelve volts sent to pin eight. In order to tell the television that it's um, it's a format of four is to three and not widescreen, oh, oh. and um, yeah, that's a twelve volt signal. It's quite high, and then the one to enable the red, green, blue SCART on pin sixteen uh, is one point five volts in or around one point five volts or a little higher, and uh, that's why they've got these extra pins. But I think the way they did it on this, they just sent through a twelve volt signal that went direct to pin eight. To, to make it right TV format. And then there was a 330 uh, ohm resistor between um, between pin eight and pin 16 in order to bring it down to the correct voltage for uh, 
for pin 16 to enable uh, to enable SCART. But that's um, that's that's pretty much the connector that plugs into the back of it. That plugs into cool. the back of it. And that there is the inside the top cover of the case. Again, there's a few little a few little bits of uh, lettering and stuff there printed on on the top, the top right there, kind of mid mid. Oh, sorry, on on the top left or mid left. Just something says number one, or I'm not sure. There's something there anyway printed in there. So uh, I thought I, I thought that maybe that may be of interest to you. But again, like I say, it's it's possibly the same as um the same as any of the others. Oh, if 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 you want to go back to the image just before, there's one interesting one actually. Mm. I don't know how interesting it is, but there's 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 one thing on the image just before. You've got you see there where the TV selector would be, um on the on the. Oh, yeah. On the American version, they they actually glued a little piece of plastic. Uh, oh yeah, right. Just, just the cover, just the cover. So it's it's probably exactly the same mold that was used uh, as was used for the American versions. But um, it's got a little piece of plastic. It looks like it's molded in, but when you open the case, you can see there's some um, there's some glue that's slightly yellowed, and uh, that's what's holding in that little piece of. Of plastic just to cover that that little uh, selector switch for channel three and four. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So that's that. And uh, yeah, that's just with the QC passed label and with the uh, with the warranty seal that's after being punctured. Now was that, that punctured when punctured you before you had it, or did you puncture it to do the upgrade? No, I was. I'm I'm the culprit. I'm the one that <laughs> punctured. Uh, yeah. <sighs> that was that was me. It survived. It's about, I'm sure, a good a good 35 years until I came along with my Phillips head screwdriver and popped it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that. All right, out of warranty. Uh, that's that's the back of the back of the. Uh, now, is that one you can zoom up a bit, Rob? Or? Uh, so I don't think so. Usually, if you double click on the picture there and drive, it'll uh, it'll oh, zoom in. I look think. At, look at you. There you go. Okay. You, if you can just zoom up to show that channel selector where it's kind of blocked out with a hacked on plastic job. Yeah, I can't zoom press, in any more than that. If you press if you press control plus, it should zoom in. Um, if it can zoom any further. I'm just trying not to break the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I appreciate too late, but anyway. Too late. I, I tried that already, uh, David. It doesn't work in a Google Drive. Like it doesn't Do a work. print screen. Yeah. Now, one other thing I'm noticing here, didn't the power cable on the North American ones come out the back, not the bottom? Correct. So oh. there's a little bit of a blocked plastic there where the power cable would have came on. you got a much thicker, beefier one coming out of the bottom by the leg. Mm. Probably grounded. Oh. Probably three-wire. It is, yeah. Uh, no, it's a, it's a, it's it a three-wire cable, yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting they put a, a three-wire cable because they... In Australia, you're not allowed to do that. If it's double insulated, if it's a plastic case and they call double insulated, you're legally not allowed to put a three-pin connector on it. The skirt need a good ground or something? Do they have some? No, it might be just a just something they did. Well, yeah, no, I I I know that like many of the um, many of the computers of the year anyway that that we had in Ireland were all were all tree cabled. If they, you look, the Condor sixty fours, the big twenties, the I'm not sure about the Spectrum. I'm sure it was. So I'm sure it was part of the law at the time that they had to be grounded. Do you see where the uh, power cable would have come out? There's a it's blocked also. Yeah. 
as I was noticing, it's just like the channel select. They kind of hacked in a piece of plastic to kind of fill the case in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Cheap way out. Yeah. Well, new molds would have been very expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it's true. Right. quite logical that they did that, really. I just figured, you know, what Tandy was making tens of thousands of, of, of the regular ones, I didn't know if it would be that much of a difference of price to make one new mold for a certain run, but it probably was. And they were cheap, as we all know. You see, it could have been a bit like Atari's story as well with the 2600, and they figured that the French market wasn't going to be gigantic, so what was the point, you know? If, we're, if they were only going to sell, I don't know how many, maybe they, they envisaged selling 20,000 units, I don't know. And maybe they figured, we'll try it, but there's there's, there's no point in spending any real money on it, you know. Mm -hmm. could, have, could have well been that. But okay. uh, yeah, I, I, I think every, everything else is pretty much standard to, to what you know the cables are. This here is the pinout for the, um, for the, uh, for the, the TV. That's the one there that, that we were talking about there. So this is the connector on the back of the cocoa oh. itself then. Yeah. It goes yeah. up to your skirt cable. That's that's it. You've got your uh, you've you've got your cables, uh, what they or you've got your, your pinholes there, what they give and what they connect to on <sighs> what pin they connect to on the actual SCART uh, SCART connector. So you've got your green going to SCART eleven and your audio to SCART six and yada, yada, was, yada. was the own owner's manual any different, I wonder? I don't know because I, I got it when I got it there was no manuals or an, anything with it it was just I got it with the um, with a cassette lead and with uh, the TV lead the SCART TV lead and the actual unit itself but there was there was nothing else with it yeah you didn't even get a cassette deck with it you had to play stuff in through your phone didn't you to just to load That's software right, and try yeah. it and there's actually this one this one um, there's one little thing about it uh, a year or two ago I made up a little uh, Castuino you know using a um, using a, a little Arduino board in order to play um, audio files from CAS files and all that thing to be uh, directly converted for old computers so that you could play true. It's a, it's a little device you can make up from um, from uh, Arduino board and you, you connect in an LCD and a, a SD card and you can pretty much convert on the fly uh, cassette files into um, into audio but for the coco it doesn't seem to work the volume isn't high enough it needs to be very very high up so the only way i could get it to work was through my um was through my mobile phone that was it i was the only way i could get any kind of audio file to work on the uh on on the coco okay just i'll, go, as, uh, just I'll go to the next one and i did figure out the zoom so if you want to go back and and look at anything just let me know okay so i can i well now i don't see the zoom Hold on. Uh, okay, I don't see the zoom on this one. I had zoom, but uh, anyway. <laughs> but this is the actual SCART connector itself, which I mean, Jason and a few others are familiar with since they use it yeah. in their products. Yeah, I think the zoom only worked on that other one. Might be a PDF or something. But anyway, I don't know. Here, I can make it full screen. That's um, that's just your SCART pinout. That's your yeah, your yeah. regular regular SCART pinout. There's there's the SCART connector uh, serves two purposes: it's input and output. It's that's why it has it it has so many pins. It's got its twenty pins on it, and it's got its shielding. An awful lot of them are ground pins. Then you've got your red, green, and blue, and you've got audio in, audio out. You've got uh, red, green, and blue in, red, green, and blue out. You've got synchronous in and your sync out, 
and um, yeah, so so that way it can be used in videos if if you're uh, recording stuff to a video or if you're playing stuff back or with DVDs and all that kind of stuff. It it, it was kind of it, it was a, a connector that that does everything. It's a kind of a, yeah. So that it was uh, a very it was a very well thought out designed connector in its day. Yeah, and it, it worked it, well. It was for sure, but. It's it's kind of impractical. It's a big bulky thing, and if if you want to connect three or four of them to the back of any TV that can take three or four mm -hmm. of them, it takes up an awful lot of space, you know. Whereas yeah, the RCA connectors and all that kind of thing were very, uh, were, were were much easier to handle, much easier to plug in, and I don't know. I just I, I just found it. I, I it's just my personal opinion, and I suppose the uh, the SCART did give a much much higher uh, quality image. Mm. I wanted to mention in chat here, we were talking about the uh, the prefix of the part number, um, you know, the three-digit. And TGB Chris uh, mentions, he says, I think Frank Durda the fourth mentioned on Compsys Tandy years ago that two-digit prefixes were really three-digit ones with the trailing zero drop. So 26 dash would have actually been 260. And internally to Tandy, they were three-digit. Radio Shack did use a few three-digit prefixes in the U.S. 273 comes to mind for AC adapters and the like. And it's too bad Richard of Boysen Tech isn't here because he worked at Radio Shack doing repairs and stuff for years, and he, he might actually have some insight in that too. But. Oh, interesting. Anyway, here's a nice shot of the, the back with the uh, hacked-in plastic. <laughs> mm. So they selected a connector that was small enough to fit in the slot for an RCA connector, sort of, kind of. Yeah, there's, there's a, yeah you didn't have to change the molding to that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it doesn't quite line up, but it fits in the slot. So, hey. Good to go. Now they stuck a little piece of foam on top just to just to fill that little <laughs> hole. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anything else? We, we on some of these I can zoom in. So, uh, um, can we uh, look at the uh, salt chip that you had at the very start? Just wondering what right. number that was. Uh, I think that it's was like it's near the beginning. I think it was one of the very first. Isn't it's yeah. right next to the pepper chip. Uh, <laughs> nope. No, nope. not that one. Before one before that, I think, wasn't it? I don't know. Before that? Just yeah. Before so that which one, one did you say was a salt? Because it's it's not that big one that's next to the video chip. No, it's next no, it's to not, the blue chip. Big. Yeah, yeah. What number oh, yeah, is yeah, on yeah, that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. SC seven. Yeah, that's the salt chip. So what's that big chip next to the video chip? Might be some kind of RGB output chip or something. What's, yeah, what's I was just wondering one? which one it is. I think it's the one that actually is generating the RGB. <laughs> It's a Hitachi chip. Mm. Yeah. HD61J204B. I'm to look it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't know yeah. that one. That's a new one on me. Yeah. It's, so I think given, given that it's in between the 6847 and the discrete circuitry, I'd say it's exactly. a, a, it'll be a decoder chip. So that's yeah, so unique. I, that's not something you saw on PAL either then, right? Well, no. I have. I don't think so. I haven't, yeah. Well, actually, I've, I, I don't have a PAL. Coco 2 here, so I can't really tell. But <laughs> Yeah, I thought it'd be interesting to just to look it up. So I, I just wrote the number down. I'll look it up and see what I can find. Yeah, good one. Okay, any any other? Because that'd be interesting for a modification for existing Coco 2s to make a daughter board that clips onto the 6847 and uh, duplicates that RGB circuitry. That's for people mm. who can't afford a Coco VGA, I guess. <laughs> There's an awful lot of discrete circuitry there to duplicate, but I mean, there I is, yeah. Mm. So um, it's not a, a salt chip, then? No, not that big a, one. The, the salt's no. the one at the top, yeah. Yeah, the salt's only a little chip. 
Yeah. Yeah, so the one beside the big blue capacitor in the upper left there. That's the SC7. Okay. 27P. Yeah, I'll look it up and see what I can find. Cool. Hmm. Any any further questions from the panel? Any further questions from the chat? Um, yeah, I think I think we're. Uh, what do you think? Well, people can still ask questions. Um, you know, after the you know as we move forward, I think Peter is going to hang out for a little while. Yeah, and we've also posted the link to the actual photo, so if people want to, you know, purge them at their own leisure and, and zoom them up on huge screens and stuff, take a look. Right no Rifa chip on these. No what? Rifa chip. Oh, let, <laughs> me, <laughs> right, let me get the show back Oh, Rifas are bad. Just ask the Apple people. Rifas yeah. are bad. <laughs> okay, hold on. We got the show back. And a big, big thank you to Peter for putting those pictures up, for making the original video that spawned this whole segment. And thanks for guesting on the show today. Well, thanks very much for having me, guys. That's what I say. And uh, if, if, if you're interested in watching the video, it's out there on YouTube. Um, and there's, there's another couple as well along with it. It's not just Coco stuff, which is just as well because I don't know much about Coco stuff. So, I mean, the videos would be quite short. Well, we'll try to help rectify that situation. Anyway, but <laughs> this isn't Peter. goodbye, by the way. Come back anytime. Yeah. And hang out yeah. with us. Do you have? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hang out for the rest of the show anyway. I'll be here in the background. I'll be and um, join Discord uh, if you want, and and hang out with. Oh, he, did, he did. He's I'm on joined. Discord. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'm, Peter, I'm, do you I'm have an SDC? And and take a little look around from time to time and glean them what I can and excellent. So, uh, Ron, yeah, we cool. we did try to get to. We are trying to get Peter to buy an SDC, um, and uh, I gave him my best pitch uh, the other night. <laughs> Good. I, I think he needs some joysticks, too. <laughs> okay, everyone I, wants I, to sell stuff to Peter. I, 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 I'm not selling any joysticks. Yeah, I can do it. But, but um, no, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look, and I'll see what I can do. I'm not, yeah, I'm the, not the SDC is the one I would recommend because if you want to get the have. software, that, that covers pretty well everything. So you don't have to find floppy drives and all that kind of stuff. You can... Totally yes. get away with an SDC. The uh, the the panel that sells products, uh, you know, the are, are they're seeing dollar signs right now, Peter. So uh. <laughs> if they're looking at me and they're seeing dollar signs, they're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> Why do we have commercials? What about, what about euro signs? Is that <laughs> see whatever signs they want? Yes. So. Do you accept? Do you accept Bitcoin, Jason? Uh, I don't accept Bitcoin. Uh, I'm looking into accepting magic beans, <laughs> but uh, but no uh, no 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 Bitcoin at this time. But S and H stamps. Oh, I actually have one other further question for Peter. <clears throat> he had suggested like he doesn't have any joysticks yet, so he was playing some games that he'd found that he was loading before, and I gave him suggestions of a few others. I only got up, I think, to the C's or something like that with a couple extras thrown in. There's a lot to go through. Was there any favorites out of the ones that uh, you tried afterwards? There, there was a couple I tried. I liked, um, I liked Phantom Slayer, which I've run there in the background. I like that, but I'm not very good at it. I, I, I tried it for a little while. I wasn't fantastic at it. I also like the other one, Bulldozer, the the Arkanoid clone. Okay, yeah, the one that was originally yeah, Bulldozer. I, 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 I like that. I played quite a bit of that. And uh, there was the other one... Uh, um, Something to do with Beanstalker, is that it? The one that's yeah, sort like of a load, load runner. runner. Yeah. yeah, the load runner clone. I played quite a bit of that as well. I've I've tried pretty much everything uh, that you recommended to me. I tried um what was the other one I tried? Oh. Is it Rommel's Revenge, the one in the tanks where tanks? you're um yeah. 
Yeah, that, yeah, that I enjoyed as well. So, Curtis, did you recommend Lancer to him? I, I said only got up to the C's. Oh, okay. And plus, he doesn't have joysticks, so you have to pick games right now that are keyboard-based, and that's what I was yeah, trying to do. Yeah, and that was actually that was actually a thing, because I went out looking on the internet, and I couldn't actually find a list. You'll find a list that'll tell you what games are for Cocoa 2s, or for Cocoa 3s, or even sometimes what needs 16K or 64K, but there aren't any lists that'll tell you this will work with keyboards. No, I don't. My, my list tries are. to, though. I have to fix it. It's it, there's a few spots I've noticed when I was looking for ones for you. I usually yeah. mention like keyboard optional or key, you know, joysticks not required or type thing. But there's a few that I missed, and probably in the early okay. days when I first started. Because I, 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 I had a bit of a look around, but I, I went kind of trial and error, and I came across very few. There was an awful lot that when I loaded them up, I was just pressing every key on the board and say, okay, that's another one that that I can't play. But um, but no, I'll start at something on joysticks at some stage. I'm sorry, yeah. that's something. Well, there's definitely more keyboard-based games, too. I'll, I'll, now that I know that you're caught up to that first list, I'll send you, I'll oh, yeah. send no, you no, a further I'm, list. I'm, 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 I'm getting my way through. I, when, I, when I have a little time, that's what I put my time into now. So, uh, yeah, I know it's 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 a fun system. It's it's a nice system. Um, I wasn't really aware of it, like I say, and I wouldn't have been aware of it only for I stumbled across it. Like I say, that's that's what I do. I'll... Um, I'll have a look on eBay or any of the other sites. And if people are, are selling something that's broken or something that's kind of quite quite a bargain, I'll, I'll generally try and snap it up. And uh, that was pretty much the reason I, I got that system. It was in good condition. So normally I wouldn't touch it, but uh, it was in good condition and it, it really was a bargain. I couldn't let it go. Peter, do you reason, but I'm, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did get it because it's- Oh yeah, yeah Dragon, too. Dragon Joystick will, will work with your Coco too. Um, some of the the uh, Tandy 1000 joysticks that use the full size connector, those will work with the Coco. Um, and just remember, in 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 Rommel 3D, at least you get to drive a Panzer. Yeah, at course. least you which? Oh, to drive a tank. That's right, yeah. Jay. You do. <laughs> you yes, do. and let's let's not forget, as Ken points out in the chat, that Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. <laughs> oh, yes. You, you have to get your complimentary copy of Nightmare Highway at cancanmakeit.com. Yes. <laughs> that, that's free and is also keyboard driven. So there you yeah. go. It's free and, and yet it, it's, it's, it's in your price it's range. It's free and it's not. Okay. Well, I, 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 I'll make a note. I'll make a note. Nightmare Highway. Okay. Peter, Nightmare do, highway. You, scare do you program much? <laughs> do I program much? Yeah. Um, Hello World. Do you know that program? Yeah. <laughs> Only one I can do. I'll, I'll, I'll bring out a cassette, my cassette version of Hello World. But um, no, the, I, I, I don't. I did a little bit um, when I was younger, a small little bit. It interested me. But again, I, I didn't I didn't really have the time, I'll tell you, to, to put into it. And I need a program. I don't I don't think I would have been great at it. I'll be honest either, because um I, I, I think you need to have quite a memory to be able to do it. I'm, I'm, I, I would imagine, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with thousands of lines of code, you need to know what's where and what's errors. I, I would imagine I can't really see me being all that great at it. So, um, yeah, to be quite honest, I never really got into coding all that much. Um, anything I did do was in basic, and then it was very simple stuff. It was very, you know, like uh, converters for temperature or... Um, currency converters or what's your name hello whoever you are you know that kind of kitty kitty stuff that's uh, that's that's more or less what i got into and uh, what interested me greatly and what um what i used to do when i didn't even have to was um dos on the um 
on the PCs back in back in the 90s, back in 92 and 93, uh, Microsoft DOS 5 and 6. And I know it's not programming or anything, but I got a little bit into batch file stuff and stuff. But again, that was about as, like I say, that's about as far as I ever really got into anything with uh, any kind of a real keyboard and computer kind of feel, you know, that kind of way. Um, yeah, no, to be, to be completely honest, I never really went into programming all that much, and I, I don't, I don't think I would have been all that great at it. You know, just as hands up, I wouldn't have been great at it. <laughs> well, then you really appreciate the uh, SDC because it has all kinds of stuff that you can get. Yeah, I've seen. Shot. I've actually since since you were talking about it there the other day when I was speaking to you, I watched a few videos on YouTube dealing with it. And um, I've seen I've seen how it functions. I you you can obviously see the advantage to it, um, and and like I was saying there a while back, um, if if you wanted to go the real route and get drives and all that kind of stuff, you're dealing with older hardware that's kind of unreliable, quite expensive, and even buying discs, they're hard to source. Now you never know where they're going to work reliably, and if you only get a handful of them then you're going to be using them over and over and over again to try different stuff out, and eventually you're going to wear out. So the SDC card in its in its own way, or the little cartridge, the SDC one, will pay for itself 100 times over. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm fully aware of that. No, I'm fully aware of it. And uh, the other thing I liked about it was it's like using a real district. So I see that when, when you plug it in, you've got all your images on the card, and they're stored out in a directory format. So you type your little dir and hyphen, and you go in. You can mount your um, you can mount your your image files onto different drives. So you don't actually have to swap images. You've got I think it's four exactly. drives, is it that'll emulate? And yeah. you can uh, you can put an image on each drive, and then you can swap between. So no, I can I can definitely see the advantage of it. You can create um, you can also create blank disks, and you can. I you know it's it's. I mean it's it's as good as having. It's actually better than having a real Yeah, it's better. It's faster, too, than the, a floppy drive. So Yeah, the, the, the thing is reliable. I mean, it's reliable. They also so, have the SDC um, Explorer. I don't know if you got into finding that yet, but that's a whole launching system. It's a menu-driven thing. It just pops up. If you set it up right, it'll actually pop up as soon as you turn the cocoa on. And I then you just pick through the arrows screen. or a joystick and just click and go. It's on, it's on my That's the SDC Explorer. Yeah, I, 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 I think I read that Curtis had recommended it to somebody in the um, in the Discord server that it can be used with both keyboard and joystick, I believe, yeah. no? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah sure, right. I'm sure I'm sure I read about that, yeah. So, no, I, I, I have been looking into it. I, I have been looking into it. But like I say, funds are kind of low at the moment. No, I'm not looking for anything. I'm not... Maybe for Christmas, maybe for Christmas I might treat myself. Hey Peter, I got a flat. I got a flat screen TV. If you're interested, uh, got a lot of stuff I could sell you. So uh, keep you posted. If 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 you're giving it away, <laughs> then, then you got to join the game. The game on uh, high, uh, Sky Score Challenge once you have your SDC. Who yes. wants to make oh, him yeah. a good deal on the Brooklyn Bridge? <laughs> well, depending what the game is, if it's keyboard operated, runs on a 64 K Coco too. I mean, he could play it anyway. We'll just send him the cassette image for it. So, well, the only currency we re- we really value here is participation, and and thanks for the great conversation, Peter. And yeah. certainly feel like you can uh, chime in at any other point during the show. We actually want to hear from other people who uh, who don't who who may not have had you know the Coco experience you know in the past. So it's pretty fascinating to listen to you. Um, go through that a fresh user perspective yeah and if yeah. you if you want to just jump on the panel other times without being you know interrogated and 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 um and having the whole panel try to sell you stuff 
I think you you should feel welcome to do so. <laughs> okay, well, look, I'm I'm willing to do so. I'll put that. I'm I'm willing to do so. I I will from time to time if I may. So join every join any week you want. Um, we're gonna. You can join on the YouTube chat if you're kind of busy and just want to keep us in the background, or you can join us right on the panel live or. Okay. Or on Discord well, during the week. Yeah, no, it's 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 something that I'll it's something that I'll definitely be floating around from time to time, whether it's just watching on YouTube and uh, and and throwing in insults through the chat or. Uh, you know, we love seeing the community grow. I mean, we're just we're just always <laughs> happy. We're happy to welcome new people in the community who are nice and have a good time with us. So we don't want you to get Absolutely. discouraged. Either, yeah, you know. After all, oh, we, don't worry. And any questions you have for us, just just feel free to ask. No, we, okay. after, would, after all, we talked to Nick Morente, so we'll talk to anybody. Well, we've made a few mistakes. <laughs> got David Ladd on, and now we're stuck with him. <laughs> well, well, oh, uh, Nick. We've uh, been talking a while. I, I feel like um, I think Rondo, we need a commercial break, break before time. we switch over to yeah, uh, Rondo David's Yeah, is going to have to pee. I, I can sense it. Um, He's giving me that look. I can see it. So uh, <laughs> His eyes are he's doing he's doing the dance. Yeah, we'll be right so back. So when we come back, I think we'll have uh, David O'Connor demonstrate his cocoa and his new fa- was Fairchild or Fairlight. What can't remember now. Fairlight. 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 Sorry. Get it wrong. Fairchild we'll got destroyed. I just remember as always nine. That was the important part to me. So okay, David O'Connor. After these messages, stay tuned, everyone. Hi. This is Eddie Zerbinski from beautiful Quebec City. Vous écoutez Coco Talk. As you're enjoying Coco Talk, we also want to remind you about the Coco Discord server. This is a place where people come to connect, to ask questions, to provide answers, to share information, and to socialize. So when you're done, why don't you head on over to the Coco Discord server and we'll continue the conversation there. The easy to remember link is discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord. Coco123 is the Glenside Color Computer Club community newsletter that's been in publication since 1985. While the Rainbow Magazine may be gone, it doesn't mean you still can't have a cool Coco periodical. Head on over to the Glenside Color Computer website at glensideccc.com and then click on the Documents link to view all the past issues of the Coco123 newsletter. Not only can you read all of the past and present issues, we'd also love to hear some submissions from you. So if you'd like to send an article, a column, uh, something to talk about, maybe even a program listing, send an email to glensideccc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. The Coco World Map is a cool community resource where you can view coconuts from around the world. Head on over to map.cocotalk.live and see where your fellow coconutians happen to be living on the planet Earth. If you would like to submit yourself to be on the Coco Map, send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live and we look forward to seeing you on the Coco Map. Hey guys, it's Stevie Stroh, and if you've been watching Coco Talk for a while, hopefully you understand that everyone is welcome to join this show. You don't need an impressive resume to get on. You just need to enjoy the Coco 
and be willing to talk about it. There is no wrong way to Coco. There is no wrong way to be a fan of the Coco. There's no wrong way to be on Coco Talk. You just have to want to talk Coco. So if you would like to join us, then reach out to us on our Discord server, which is discord.cocotalk.live, or send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live, and let's get you on the show, and let's talk about the Coco. Hi, I'm Tim, and you're watching Coco Talk Live. And I'm playing Daggereth online like that idiot from the book. Right, can you can you dial back on the condescension there as you respond there? And we're back, everybody. And uh, thanks uh, for uh, all the great conversation. We're, we want to talk to a guy down under who's got a few uh, few pieces of equipment in his house. And um, I'll let uh, welcome David O'Connor to the show. And um, what are you going to show us today, David? Well, uh, as uh, some of you may have been following along and at numerous times throughout different episodes or whatever, I've uh, spoken about a Australian invention, which was pretty much the Rolls-Royce of musical instruments in the 80s, um, called the Fairlight CMI. The CMI stood for Computer Musical Instrument. Um, and behind me right here, this box with this board hanging out the front, uh, this is a, a fully working custom built uh, Fairlight CMI Series 3. Um, the, 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 the Fairlight CMI, <laughs> let me try that again. <laughs> the, seri- <laughs> the Series 3 Fairlight back in the day, uh, would buy the, the money you'd spend on one of those would buy you a couple of small houses or, or a couple of large houses actually in, in Sydney. Um, so they were hideously expensive. Um, which mainly made them open to only, you know, big studios and well-known artists. Um, but having said that, it was big studios and the well-known artists. They used them on everything. All the 80s hits was, Fairlight was all over them. Michael Jackson used it. Um, Stevie Wonder used it. Peter Gabriel, Kate Bush, Pet Shop Boys, Art of Noise, um, you name it. Um, so they're pretty much the Rolls Royce of musical instruments in the day. And today they're still very highly sought after, but they're quite rare. Um, I managed to get in touch with uh, one of the original guys who was part of Fairlight back in the day. His name's Peter Welp. Um, He's based in Sydney now. Um, And he's restoring Fairlights. And he's got um, old stock that he got from Fairlight in the day. He worked as a product manager. He worked with Stevie Wonder. He worked with uh, Peter Gabriel, uh, Pet Shop Boys, Duran Duran, um, and some others as well. so yeah, Peter was looking for somebody who was familiar with the uh, with the technology in these things, um, and I posted on. I was always I've always wanted a Fairlight, but I thought there's no way known I'm going to be able to get my own Fairlight. Um, well, the tables have turned, and Peter was looking for a repair tech familiar with the technology, and I'm looking for a Fairlight. So we've come up with an agreement uh, where he sent me down this rig here, which is his test rig, which is custom designed specifically for testing and repairing circuit boards. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing repairs uh, for Peter in exchange for my own Fairlight system. Um, so I have right here. This is one of the voice boards out of uh, out of the Fairlight. You can see this one here has actually got the voice board plugged into it here on an extender card. Um, but right here, you'll see if I can get that zoomed right up there, right in the middle of that board, there is a 6809 CPU. Of I've got a pussycat in the background. He wants to join in. These a fully expanded Fairlight has eight of these boards in it, uh, and a couple of other boards. So it's got uh, it's no less than ten 
um, 6809s with the, with the others. The main CPUs in the Series 3 are 68,000s. There's two of those. And uh, as I was discussing with, with, with Curtis earlier on, um, the operating system is OS 9 or a variation of it's OS 9, OS K, I think we were saying, for the 68. Yeah, most likely that or OS 9000. I'm not sure which, which one I can't tell from that one boot screen you showed me, so... Yeah, I'll have to. I've got all the documentation here, obviously, because I'm doing all the repairs and all the rest of it. So I'll go through and I'll find out those details. Did, but, uh, did the early Series One uh, Fairlights actually have OS nine uh, for the six eight oh nine? That's a good. The, the original, the, the first Fairlights, because the Fairlight was originally developed in the late seventies, ran a sixty eight uh, uh, sorry sixty eight hundred processor, and then I think the uh, the Series Two and the Two X. The 2X is the classic one with the light pen and the trapezoidal screen and all the rest of it. Um, that ran 6809 processors for everything, the main CPU and the, the sound cards. Um, and then uh, uh, when the Series 3 came out, they upgraded to 68,000, but they kept the 6809s on all the other boards. Um, so I'm not sure what the earlier what the operating systems were on the earlier ones. Um, I'll have to find out. I think the, 60, the, the, the 2X was also OS 9. Um, so anyway, what I've got here um, to keep this on topic, <laughs> aside from the, the 6809s, this is my uh, Coco, I've nicknamed it my Coco 4, it's not really a Coco 4, it's, it's a Model 4 with a Coco 3, um, which I'm in the process of transplanting. Um, some of you have seen on other episodes, I've got here the uh, Second Sound DACO160 uh, audio to MIDI sorry, audio to synth, which basically converts audio signals to synth and control voltage and MIDI and all the rest of it. I've demoed that on on segments before. So what I figured I'd do, connect up my Coco to the DACO and then plug that in via MIDI into the Fairlight and get the Coco to play the Fairlight. Um, so to start things off, I've, uh, I've, I've loaded up. You probably can't see it on there. I can't really zoom, but... That's called Thriller BSS, um, and yes, it's the original sound file that, that Michael Jackson used on the Thriller album, and in particular, uh, the intro to Beat It. Um, so I've just written, literally before the show, I haven't done anything elaborate, I've just written some fairly simple basic programs using the play command um, and some other stuff um, to play various uh, sounds that I'll load up onto the, the Fairlight and then play for you. So the first one... Yep. Hey, David. So the DAC yep. board, right, it reads the audio from the play commands and turns it into controls for the synth. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. This this will okay. take, uh, it literally takes the audio output from the Coco, goes into the mic input on this thing, and then that converts it into control voltage gate and MIDI signals. I'm not using control voltage and gate here because it's not an analog synthesizer. Right. I've got it running out MIDI out of there into the MIDI input on the top Excellent. Here. Okay, cool. So, uh, so, yeah, basically the play command is spitting out MIDI. Um, so if I run the first one here, and as Peter was talking about before and we were all talking about, this is the Coco SDC Explorer here. Um, I've saved all my programs onto the Coco SDC. Um, so I've got a bunch of little ones. I literally wrote these like two or three hours before the show today. So uh, they're very simple and there's not much displayed on the screen, but the, the point is that they, they, they you know, they, they're, they're actually playing the, the Fairlight. So the first one, hopefully everybody will recognize this. Um. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then we and then we get the <laughs> so uh, definitely won't get a ding for that. No, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> um, anyway, if I press break there and just lift that program, um, probably not going to be able to see that. It's yeah, it's a bit. Anyway, it's basically just a, a CLS, a poke statement, um, a string that I've, I've used to, uh, for the play command, um, and that's you know a couple of other little things, and that's pretty much it. So uh, what you heard there is the Coco actually playing the exact sounds that Michael Jackson actually used on on the Thriller album. So that's the first one. Um, you know, this particular Fairlight has had a couple of upgrades, a couple of custom things. This little board here basically takes a USB signal and converts it to a standard um, Fairlight nine-pin keyboard connector. So I can run a modern PC. Uh, keyboard on it, which I've got right here. It's uh, Ron Delbo. You'll recognise that one. It's uh, a wireless keyboard that I've, if, if Ron's not back in the loo, I don't know. <laughs> um, that's a wireless keyboard that I've got there, and I can literally you know, cycle through that there, and I can, I'm changing things on, on the, uh, on the uh, Fairlight. So if I go across here, this is a sound that's been used to death. Everybody knows this sound. It's called Orchestra 5 or O-R-C-H-5, Orc 5. And it's a very, very, very famous sound. I'll just load that into Fairlight right now. And get back into my uh, oops, directory. And I have a load I-N-P-O-S-S. Loading the program. Now, um, <laughs> I do not think that Mission Impossible used this actual sound. In fact, I know it didn't, but huh, why not? I was just looking for something that would, de that would demo this sound. Everyone will know this sound too when I run this. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the Orchestra 5 sound. So, if I just play one note there, I can just do play. Say play C. And there it is. Or play O2. See, go an octave up. Play O3. See. So you can see there literally I'm I'm typing in play commands there manually and getting that to play the fair light in real time. Yeah, I just want to mention in the live chat, Lanertronics says this is like the singularity of 80s technology. Absolutely, it's the it's the Rolls Royce of of, of musical instruments in the eighties. You've thing. got everything coming together, Coco inside of a TRS eighty, and with a Fairlight. It's we just need Mr. T, <laughs> and Mr. T to show up, and we've got the eighties. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, if I that's the uh, the I've got the two X and the Series three libraries here, so uh, there's a ton of sounds in here. Obviously, we haven't got time to go through them all, so I'm just picking some some ones that every, everybody will be familiar with. So those two were from the 2X library, which is the series before this one. Um, if I just go out of that and if I load up the Series 3 library, uh, just go in there, press F12, that'll load up the Series 3 library. Go into uh, my directory here. Um, Terminator 2. Everybody knows Terminator 2, and most people are familiar with the score from Terminator 2. Um, not many people realise that the entire score on Terminator 2 was done on a Fairlight Series 3. Um, so I actually have the sounds here from the Terminator uh, movie that they used. David, uh, Robert, um, 
Robert Murphy in the chat was saying that Aliens was also did a, used a Fairlight. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't know the details of that, but wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, so I just go in here and... Oh, wait a minute. I've gone too far, I think. Uh, go back. I want to load up. Yeah, Brass Fall 12. This sound is a, um, a sound that was used... I think it was used when the... Uh, when the T one thousand was was dropped into the into the um, no that might have been later on is this this sound anyway um, brass fall twelve uh, have I loaded that yeah I've loaded that if I uh, load T two <laughs> good name for it um, if I just play that normally it's a brass sound it's just a, it's just a normal brass sample of a brass instrument. You know, a, a series of brass instruments. So if I play that, um, O3, say, play a C, you'll hear the That's like a, a, a brass doesn't sound anything like anything that was used in the Terminator score. But if you take it right down a few octaves, right down low, it has this unique character. And if I run this, That's actually some of the sounds from the Terminator movie. That's the exact sounds they used in it. Um, sounds like Ron Delvaux when he has to pee. Oh, no, that sounds like an elephant. You can hear the resemblance, though, because it, it almost sounds like an alien's uh, sound effect. Uh, uh, Robert Murphy saying uh, that the producer of Aliens talks about it quite a bit on the commentary disc. Oh yeah, okay. I'll have to check that out. It was used okay. during the drop the dropship uh, sequence. Yeah, yeah, right. If I go over here, we've got uh, we've got sound effects as well. I mean, the the, the Fairlight was used by BBC Radiophonic and all the rest of Radiophonic Workshop for a lot of sound effects and things. So I've just got one here. Um, you have any cat drag- sound effects? No, there probably is. There's a dog sound effect above the one I've just loaded. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have an analog cat sound effect somewhere. Yeah, a real one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what I've loaded here is a, a, is a dragster. They, they actually sampled the sound of a, a, a top fuel dragster. So uh, if I load that in here, Hear me. just run on, on that. That's pretty so, good. Uh, yeah, so yeah. How, how much is RAM is on each of those boards that you just showed us? There's uh, not much. The, the, the voice cards themselves don't contain the main system RAM. That's on separate boards. Um, this particular system isn't fully expanded with RAM. Um, it's got eight megabytes of RAM, uh, but I think they had 32 megabyte cards for the uh, that you could expand it up to. Right. Um, this one being a custom system, which is designed specifically for repairing, uh, repairing voice cards and everything. It isn't fully expanded with all the extra outputs. The fully expanded one's got 16 audio outputs. Um, this one's just got two audio outputs, um, but you know the one the system I'm going to be building up in exchange for the repairs here will be a fully expanded system. Um, and directory here, um, actually, just go, uh, go into my. What's store. the unit on top? The unit on top that's uh, that's my audio interfaces and a, and a mic preamp, and this is a sound devices um, 744T field recorder. I'm actually oh. using that to take the sound from that 
um, into my speakers. So that's what's wow. basically audio interface. Uh, so it is going here. So this this machine must have a big power supply, huh? It's this that the, the the originals had a massive power supply in them. This one has been redesigned with a modern computer power supply. Um, it, literally an ATX modified power supply, plus or minus twelve volt rails and plus five volt rail, um, and a couple of other mods to. Uh, it needs a twenty volt rail as well, so uh, it's been modified to do that. Now, if I go into, it's actually particularly whoops, particularly good at doing percussion sounds as well. Um, just load up this Darbuka sound. Um, so if I do load FL. Lantertronic says you need a Synclavier. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, Syn the Synclavier and the Fairlight were the two, uh, two Rolls-Royces. Um, but this one is probably the one that's more more well-known, um, even though they were – and it's an Australian invention too, the Fairlight. Huh. Um so I've, I've loaded, have I loaded that? No, I haven't loaded that yet. Let's load that double, uh, load that one in. I've loaded the program to play it. So the Coco here is literally playing, once again, individual notes, which are then mapped, uh, MIDI mapped into individual drum samples. So I've got one sound loaded in here, which has got a, a whole ton of different samples of a single instrument. If I run that, um, what we'll hear here is some percussion played by the Coco. This I is where Chet starts singing rap, I think. <laughs> if I do play C, for example, that's one note. Play G. It's playing different parts of the drums. Play octave three, uh, A. It's, there's little different parts of it. So by playing different notes, you're literally playing different instruments or different parts of the same instrument. That, that cat um, sound effect is very convincing. It's very realistic, isn't it? He's, so when, when you do your music... You, you uh, have the Coco do a whole program and. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I just, sorry, if I just uh, load that in again. Um, and, and sorry, I forgot, but is it, it's talking over serial? No, no, no. MIDI. 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 Well. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. This, the, the DACO 160 board from Second Sound is converting the audio output from the Coco into MIDI signals. Oh, and then okay. the MIDI's going direct, yeah, and that's going directly into the Fairlight. My attention serial. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Ron, to answer your question there, I've, I've literally, you know, for, to play those notes, I've just got um, P string equals tempo four, octave one C, octave two C, octave three C, so on, um, different timings or whatnot to play different notes. Um, tempo eight to, to play the little fills a little bit quicker. Tempo 16 to play some some extra notes in between. So it's literally all play commands with strings um, to do all that. Just go back to my main directory. Oops. Just go back to here and go back down to here. This is the Coco SD Explorer, if Peter's still around. Um, to oh, did I play that? Yeah, I played that one. To finish off, uh, the audio demos here. We have to do something Australian. So I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to load it up, and then I'm going to play it. Oh, ACDC. No, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> something a little more uh, a little more down to earth, literally. 
Um, this one here. I don't even know. It sounds like a Jason Riker Coco Man ad. That's what that sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, that, that, yeah. that vacuum cleaner sounds like it's clogged. It's a long the fart. Gotten into it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there is a there is a sound of a fart in this. Yeah, let's, let's get to that. Yeah, let's go ahead and class the show up with that. That sounds. We had a TJ Chris um, in the in the live chat had a fart detector. A famous. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so you could actually create the fart sound effects. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's actually in the two X library, which I didn't. Um, oh, I've got the dog sound effect. Though. It's a big bomb threat. That would uh, Ken Riker just saying, uh, referencing <laughs> so, so a song. So is there a didgeridoo or one of those? That is a didgeridoo that I just that played. That was yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, by playing different notes, you can play different rhythms and different parts of the didgeridoo and different breath sounds and all the rest of it, which I didn't have time to program in because, I, like I said, I literally put these programs together before the show. So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, a, a Coco 4. <laughs> is, is that the hard drive you got in the mail? The yes, that's, that's that's it right there. You can see that there. That's yeah. the, literally sitting on the front. Where would it go? It would normally uh, – this is a SKB 19-inch rack mount case. Um, the Fairlights have usually got – you've probably seen them, their own custom um, rack case system, um, and that hard drive goes in the, the, the box that the Fairlight comes in. Oh. Um, so, so, yeah, what we uh, – if I go – actually, we just load that didgeridoo sound again. Yeah, so it's very, that very really? cool, and I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what other details you got about the underlying operating system stuff there because, of course, I've used some industrial OS9 stuff on presses and stuff in the past too, and – this kind of like looks like a musical application of the same thing. So it'd be interesting yeah, to see what, yeah. what, what you're running inside there, software-wise. Yeah, like, like I said, I, well, I've, I've, um, I've got all the documentation. I've got the original service manuals and the original user manuals and all the documentation. Peter's basically sent me everything for it, all the libraries, um, all Peter Gabriel's libraries. I've got all of that stuff as well, Pet Shop Boys stuff. Um, that's all on here. Um, and pretty much in the Fairlight world, when you when – you link up with other Fairlight users, um, those libraries have been shared fairly um, extensively in the Fairlight world. So it's not hard to actually get hold of any of the of the original libraries that these, you know, Stevie Wonder and Duran Duran, Pet Shop Boys, Kate Bush, Peter Gabriel, all these people used. Is that what goes on the hard drive? Yeah, 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 and the operating okay. system. So uh, that's is all. That, uh, is that actually the back of the unit or, or that is meant to be the front? This is because it's got all the connectors there. I thought maybe that's meant to be turned around, and you know, yeah, um, yeah. Usually, MIDI sockets and audio sockets. There, yeah, it is. That's usually around the other way on the yeah. actual Fairlight unit, and the, the main oh, yeah. Fairlight unit's just got a big panel that folds down at the front, so you can take the cards in and out. Yeah. Um, but as I said before, this one's specifically built for doing repairs. Um, yeah, you want everything accessible so, when you're doing repairs. So, yeah, so absolutely. Nick. Nick. Yep. Is it too early to announce that you'll be uh, up, you'll be modifying Gunstar to use the Fairlight as a uh, <laughs> sound? Uh, are, you, are you announcing that today? No, not Breaking. today. Uh, it's, oh, okay. it's top secret. Oh, okay. <laughs> are there so, any? Uh, yeah. Are there any other parts of this that we can't see? I mean, that's the whole unit underneath the rack at the top. Under the bottom, yeah, um, is it? 
A fully expanded Fairlight has its own custom um, monitor. I'm using a standard uh, VGA monitor yeah. here for it. Um, and I've got a, there's a little board in the back of this thing. It's a custom board that takes the, the video signal from this and converts it into standard uh, VGA format that can run, run on a standard VGA monitor. Um, there's also a, a custom keyboard that comes with the Fairlight. Some of them are single manual and two manual double keyboards. As in uh, a real get, key, musical keyboard, not a computer, well, not just a computer keyboard. You're talking about a musical keyboard. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a full, uh, like I think it's uh, seven yeah. octaves or something. It's a full piano length. Well, no, 76 note. It's it's uh, it's in between a synth action, which is 61 notes, and a, and a piano, which is 88 notes. So it's, it's 76 notes, but they have two of them on some of them. Yeah. So what we've got here is the internals of a Fairlight in a flight case, basically. So tech guy yeah, can be running around with it and do tech things. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like I said, this one's custom designed. Peter actually specifically built it um, to do diagnosis and repairs of, of circuits, uh, of the specifically uh, the voice cards, which I showed before, which is one of those. That's uh, one of the, uh, the 6809 on it there in the middle. And this is all 16-bit? Um, uh, oh, no, no, no. Oh, what? The 68,000, that was... Um, uh, yeah, 68,000 itself is 16, well, 24-bit on the memory bus. Um, but the, the I.O. cards that are 6.9 would have to be 8-bit for the 6.9 unless it's got MMUs on it as well. But the main controlling system would be full 16-bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, these, and the cards are 8-bit, yeah, because they've got 6.9s on them. So yeah. the main 68,000 basically allows you to load via the operating system, allows you to load... Uh, samples off the hard drive and it transfers it to one of those cards, say, into the yeah, memory you, of those cards. And the 6809 plays that sound. So the 68000 is basically the controller running the, the show. Plus, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, 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 as I said before, the memory card is actually a separate card that mounts in yeah. separately. Um, these are, um, these are most of the chips on the, on the, on the, uh, on the uh, on these cards, sixty-eight oh nine. That's m almost all of those chips. There are just logic chips, seven seven yeah. four series logic chips. Now, are, uh, is the sixty-eight oh nine on that one and, and the uh, external clock? It the certainly e. is. If you look on there, it's a, it's the exact EP. same one. Yeah, it's the sixty-eight B oh nine EP. So it's the exact same one used in our cocos. Oh, cool. Um, I, I wanted to mention too this the system the way it's set up with the 68000 being the master controller and then all these subboards with 689s that was exactly the design Frank Hogg was going for with the K bus with the TC70 the TC9 and some of those because they were going to have TC70s as the main controller 68070 based and then the TC9s which are all 6809 or 6309 based were going to be the other ones with their own memory and etc and they were actually set up on a card plane exactly like this Yeah okay What I've just brought up here um, obviously, this is a sampler, so you could record samples into it as well. Then you can modify the samples. It's a synthesizer as well, so you can create sounds from scratch internally as well, even if you don't have uh, a sample. Um, but what I've brought up here, this is the waveform edit page. So I can that's the sound of the didgeridoo. That's the waveform of the didgeridoo there, basically. It tells you sample rate sound. <laughs> it's uh, 44.1K, so it's full CD quality um, on the Series 3. Um, tells you whether it's stereo or mono, what channels you've got. Um, um, as you were saying before, Nick, with with each individual card here with a 6809 on it, that can control two voices or two channels. So I've got two channels here of output, so stereo oh, output. each card? 
yeah, yeah. All right. So, so if you have if you have four cards, you effectively have eight voices. Yeah. So a fully expanded. You can do. Yeah. 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 A fully expanded system has eight of those cards, so it's got sixteen eight. voices. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if I play a chord on the on the keyboard and I play three notes on it, two of the notes will be on one card, and then the, the next note will be on the, the other card. If I play a complex jazz chord and then bass in the thing, it'll it'll start to fill up more of the cards as you play more notes. Well, sixteen makes come, sense because uh, yeah, that's that, what our MIDI does has sixteen channels. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, yeah, and it, it, the polyphony and the, and the multiple outputs, you can it, it, yeah. you can literally have every single note on its own individual output and then take it into yeah. an audio mixer and, and mix it all separately. So yeah. they were an inc- incredibly flexible unit, um, which is why everybody used them. And, you know, Kate Bush recorded entire albums just on the Fairlight, um, I think. And that- really modern keyboards and synthesizers and computers have basically taken that idea and and now it's all integrated in within chips and stuff of modern keyboards and stuff yeah pretty much although the the, the fairlight is still highly sought after because there's certain things this page like the 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 sequencer page and and the editing page and the the way you can go in you can actually do uh, fast Fourier transformer fft manipulations on on waveforms directly in the system um Right. And that's that's stuff that's even by today's standards is still you know, a fairly advanced synthesis because this thing was doing it in the eighties, um, and still does it. You know, to like I said, that's that the sample rate on that didgeridoo is forty four point one k, so it's full six, it's full CD quality. So this um, thing can record the sound of a boomerang. You can record anything you want. Yeah, well, boomerangs <laughs> don't make noise, but I know. <laughs> they do when they hit you in the head. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so yeah. If I, uh, I'll just get back to it. Well, that's really cool. Um, I'm, I have to say, I'm impressed with the, the sounds you're getting out of that, and the fact that it's running OS nine is a bonus for me, of course, because I'm an OS nine nut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Yep. So yeah. The key term uh, being OS nine nut. <laughs> <laughs> well, you picked up on that, did you? Maybe you should contact Motorola and tell them what you're doing. <laughs> See if well. I could find that. I think the uh, uh, yeah the other the the, the, do- <laughs> the do- well, ones on this. And what games does it play? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully Gunstar eventually. Does it have a real time clock? <laughs> yeah, well, Actually, I think it would. Plus, yeah. <laughs> K definitely would probably have an interrupt timer controller too. <laughs> uh, what do we got here? We got uh, where's that uh, diarrhea sound that I found before? Um, might be in here, I think. Uh, just go can, can you change the fonts? <laughs> Here we go, diarrhea. Let me load that in. <laughs> I'll uh, escape out of that. I assume that's using a graphic screen on the on the Fairlight to to do everything in graphics format, like the the uh, interface, the the de- the interface that you're running there. I assume that's a graphics graphics yeah, uh, it, interface. Yeah, there's a dedicated graphics card built yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh oops, that's not the that didn't sound much diarrhea. Oh just I just say Someone's at the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a big metal door. Someone ruined the door. Oh, I haven't loaded it. I've highlighted it, but I haven't loaded the sound. That's why. Okay. Helps if I actually load the sound in. Here we go. Let's try that. Uh play one. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> 
Yeah, Sounds sloppy. Yeah, very sloppy. <laughs> and do we want some cowbells? More cowbell. Everybody needs cowbell. more cowbell. All right, let's see if we can get a cowbell coming up here. Right. I have a fever. Oh, that's a low cowbell. <laughs> Play three, see? There's a cowbell. Lay? No, we don't want to lay. We want to play. Let's go CD. Let's go musical cowbells. <laughs> there we go. There's some musical cowbells. So yeah, there's there's a ton of a ton of fun to be had with these things. And, uh, it had a um, it had a sequencer as well, so you can compose an entire song in there as well, and it's part yeah, of the software. It certainly does. If I go into page ten here. No. Uh, if I load that up, it should bring up the sequencer page. Uh, to load that because it's loading it off the SCSI hard drive. Oh, I've got to create a new one. Okay, that's right. I've got to type in new, new. I think memory. Type that in. So you have to so, learn yeah, a whole new syntax to make this run. Yeah, no, it's just using play commands in BASIC. Oh, on the on the Coco, yeah, yeah. That's just standard BASIC or machine yeah. language if you want. But on the Fairlight, you have to learn the syntax to tell it to do things, right? Like wow. DOS it's or whatever. All, no, 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 no. It's got its own operating. It's a, it's a complete operating system. So it's 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 like I've got here. You know, I've, I've I've created this is the start page for the sequence. So you can tell it what tempo you want. Let's scroll across there. It's at 120 beats per minute. Um, time code. You can tell it when to start and stop, and you can synchronize it to external, you know, computers or tape machines or whatever you want. Um, so, yeah, they had sync status, internal, external, simply time code, MIDI time code. Um, it's very, very extensive. I mean, obviously, these things were designed for professional studios. Um, so I can go in there once I've created all of that. Then uh, oh, I've got to remember. I can't remember. the. Oh, yeah, here it is. It's down here. I think it's... Uh, no. I haven't really actually... I've literally... I literally got this up and running literally like two days ago. So... <laughs> And it's a brand new uh, operating system for yeah, me, so I'm still, yeah. But uh, I did get into it the other day, and I loaded it up, and it's multi-track sequencer where you can put in notes and load different yeah. sounds into different tracks and whatnot. So yeah, you can you can compose entire, like, yeah. like I said, yeah. Kate, Kate Bush and type, and John Michel Jarre, he into composed entire albums on it as well. In fact, uh, if I go directly, so again. so what gave you the headache the other day? <laughs> it wouldn't be this, would it? No, 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 no. This this arrived after I had the headache. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's the fact that, that, that the hard drive hadn't arrived that I had the, <laughs> the oh. headache. Um, I'm going to this one. Oh, I keep on pressing the arrow keys on the Coco keyboard to go there. <laughs> uh -huh. I said, run emulators do that all the time if you're having your Coco <laughs> and your emulator right beside each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a sound in here called ping pong. Um, I think it's in this one. I don't know how many. Uh, it might be in, actually, I think it's in the... Uh, Can you search no, by that's, letter? Probably. I haven't figured that out yet. But <laughs> actually, <laughs> I've, got the wrong, I've got the wrong library loaded. I've got to load up the, uh, the Series 3 library. I don't know how many people are familiar with Jean-Michel Jarre did a, a concert in China um, a number of years ago, and uh, he did a combination of a, a number of his different albums. And on one of them, he did this sound of a, of a ping pong, um, ping pong balls uh, bouncing around the room. 
and he used a fair light to do that. And I'm pretty sure on here the ping pong sound is going to be somewhere. So somebody had to record all these different sounds at one time or another, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you can record your own, too, as you go, too, so you can create new sounds. Yeah, absolutely. That was a huge part of it, what this thing did. This, uh, like the um, babushka. You know, everybody knows Kate Bush's song, Babushka. It's got that glass smash in it and the other sounds, the whoosh, whoosh, and all these other. They were created on the, on the, uh, on the Fairlight. They literally, what they did for that, Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush went out and uh, got an old CRT television that wasn't working and they put a microphone in front of it and threw a brick onto the CRT and smashed the CRT to get the sound of the glass smash and then sampled it into the Fairlight and uh, that got used on Babushka. I seem to recall reading something or hearing something one time where the laser sound the laser blast sound that you hear on star wars when they shoot the when they shoot their laser guns was actually a sound that was recorded from somebody taking a bat and hitting one of the uh you know the lines that you, you get a you have like a radio tower and then they got those uh the guy wires that kind of hold the tower upright and if you've ever hit one of those they make kind of a tew, tew sort of sound and uh somebody actually took a microphone and recorded the sound of somebody hitting one of those uh, uh, tower lines that support the tower and they took that sound and then they tweaked it and that's actually the what you hear is the laser sound huh. from oh, Star wow. Wars. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, they used a, a rebar to hit it. They actually highlighted that on uh, the uh, behind the scenes that HBO had back in the early 80s. Okay, so it was a piece of rebar. Okay. Yep, I, yeah. I, I, I vaguely remember the the uh, uh, yeah, I remember I went out and tried that afterwards, actually, after watching uh -huh. the documentary, and it actually does work. Yeah. yeah, it was really interesting because, I mean, it's very, very simple how they, you know, some of the things that they use to create those sounds, but, you know, having an ear for that and knowing where to go to get it is, is a completely different story. Yeah. Hey, David, where did they get the name Fairlight from? Have you ever, do you know that? That's a really good question. I have no idea. Huh. <laughs> I'll, I'll have the to Wikipedia. I'll, the Wikipedia yeah, page Wikipedia. says it's probably right there. Wikipedia page says it's named after the ferry near um, Kim, what's his name's uh, uh, grandmother's Kim, house. Kim, yeah, yeah, Kim Ryrie. Yeah, yeah. His grandmother has a, there's a ferry that runs near her house in Sydney called the Fairlight. Oh, there you go. Well, Kim, Kim oh, Ryrie and Wikipedia. Peter Kim Ryrie and Peter Vogel were the two Australian guys who designed the Fairlight, and and Peter Welk, who I'm working with, was a product specialist who worked with those guys. I was I thinking of the Walt Disney ferry when you first said ferry. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I found the ping pong sound. Let's see if I can get that to play properly now. Play tempo one, octave two, I think it's about a C or something like that. We should get a nice little ping pong sound. Oh, another octave up. Play tempo one. Yeah, we'll make this the last sample here so we can get on to the other stuff. We're going to have an eight hour show again. Yeah, 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 yep. yep. We'll Maybe two couple. The, Cue a couple sounds up, up for the end of the show there, David. Yeah, cool, cool. I'll finish off with the I'll finish this section now with this classic ping pong sound from Jean Michel Jarre. So this was the That's pretty much that's looped. He did some more fancy stuff with it, which I haven't done here. But, uh, that kind nice. of sounded like a single thought bouncing around inside of my head too. That's sounds, what it sounds like. So ten zero, I win. It sounds like two empty yeah. halves of coconuts banging together. <laughs> Like uh, <laughs> Monty Python, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, 
Coco playing Fairlight. Cool. Well, great. Well, keep, keep keep us posted when you when you get further into the the technical part of the the Fairlight, like in the OS nine part and stuff. There, like I said, I'd be interested in plus the OS nine group in Facebook. Would I think would be quite interested in that too? So, keep us posted. Well, I'll be using this this setup. I'll be using on the Coco Music album as well. So the reason I haven't done much more on the Coco Music album to this point was because I was waiting for this thing to arrive. So, okay. Uh, cool. Yeah, there'll be actual Fairlight used on the Coco Music album. Great. I want the Millie Vanilli Orchestra hit if you have it. <laughs> that yeah, orchestra hit. Well, I did. I used to. We loaded that up before. Oh, we yeah. the same that, one. Yeah. Oh, that's, okay. That's the exact. That's the exact one. Orchestra five. Do you have okay. the Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis uh, glass breaking? That's a famous sound. We'll uh, probably. To, we have a lot of requests for you. But you did get a lot of compliments in the chat, and really thanks for going over this, David. You won over Jim Brain from Retro Innovations, which never uh, happens. I don't, I don't but, think that's Jim Brain. I don't know what happened to Jim Brain. Unfortunately, that means he'll be back next week. But uh, <laughs> but well, I, it's, uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> so I think we need to do a commercial break, and we'll come back yeah. with the game on results. Yeah, we'll be right back Wonderful. after these. We're going to come back and and. Take a little journey to some Cocoa Thoughts with Samuel Gimes. And then, uh, of course, as you mentioned, the uh, the game results. Can can you stand the excitement? I cannot. Barely. It's palpable. Yeah. Here we go. We'll return after these messages. My fellow Americans, Australians, Canadians, Europeans, and all of you ands, I'm calling on all y'all to help us make the world great again by visiting the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com where you can get yourself a coffee mug like this with a little cute cartoon character that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could also get yourself a coffee mug like this with a color computer 3 that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could get yourself a, a deluxe travel mug like this with the Cocoa Talk logo on it. You might even be able to get yourself a DVD like this with over two hours of gameplay goodness. It is time for us to rise up and make the world great again by enjoying some quality retro merchandise and Cocoa nostalgia. So please visit 8bit256.com and let's make the world great for the color computer. Thank you very much. Good morning Cocoa Land. This is Brian Schubring with Music Man. Here at the Coco Fest, having fun, fixing issues, and making things roll, and making lots of sound. Have a great day, guys! Baby, there's something I need to talk to you about. Remember when we first met? Everything was so easy, and it felt like nothing could stop us. But now, everything is such a struggle. And <laughs> if I'm being honest, you're really starting to show your age. Can I get the check, please? Break up with 512K. Use two megabytes now with Nitros 9 Ease of Use Edition. Ease of Use. Download EOU today at lcurtisboyle.com. Some people have big plans after school. You know what Elliot's going to do? Jeff, too. Elliot's at work on a book report using Scripsit on Radio Shack's Color Computer 3. It hooks up to his TV. And Jeff's at his Radio Shack Color Computer 3 playing the newest football game. But wait, what's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. 
You never know what you might try with more than 100 programs for fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately, only at Radio Shack. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I remember the days of grade school when on the playground we would talk about the latest computer and console games. Until one day when a kid told the teacher he was having a blast with his new math tutor. After he got out of the hospital, he changed schools. Well, everybody, that was an older <laughs> classic, Coco Thoughts. <laughs> Samuel Gimes, he's, he's always commenting on, on the, the, the things in the news that happen. Um, he's definitely um, always got something to say. And with that, I believe we have some new... We have the, yes... Some new thought, not nude, but new Coco thoughts. And um, we're going to listen in along with the panel here. Um, and um, here we go. Um, and now Coco thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Of all the platform games, Cashman doesn't get any credit. <laughs> Cash only, buddy. I believe that's technically called a groaner. <laughs> that was very funny. Uh, Indeed. Wah, wah, wah. Absolutely. And uh, Stevie Stroh has joined the well, I do. I, I do have a question for Ron DelVal. <laughs> yes. Uh-oh. Ron, what did you think of the singing in this week's uh, <laughs> oh, thoughts? <laughs> I, <laughs> Ron is not saying anything huh? now. <laughs> Someone kick him out. <laughs> well, we hope Samuel Gimes will sing again. <laughs> what even do, after? We, do we really? <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, yes we, we do. do. You're yes. the allowance, sir. <laughs> uh, well, well, Stevie, I, we're about to go to the, the highly anticipated high score game results. Do you have anything you wanted to talk about before that, or can we go right uh, into that is, From what I can tell, that is the, everyone's favorite segment of the show. So, uh, roll, <laughs> roll the night, uh, Until the next segment. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready? I am. All right. Yes. Here, here we go. Welcome to another week of results. We had 21 people playing Cash Band this week. Our Alan Murphy, 2,460. David Ladd, 2,580. Mark Bosley, 2,740. Tim Halloran, 3,430. Mr. Dave, 6,309, 3,880. Damon Beals, 4,190. Joshua, 4,220. David Croker, 4,610. Canadian Retro Things, 5,500. Tandy Color Computer 3, 5,730. Catlord, 5,800. L. Curtis Boyle, 6,060. Coco Man, 6,110. OG Stevie Stroh, 6,400. Frodo, 6,450. 
Tom C, 6,830. Jim Rice, 7,080. Tasman, 8,330. Buck Owens, 9,800. Me, 11,230. And the number one score this week was by none other than Erico at 21,040. Thank you again to all of this week's participants. All right. And the scores were hey, lower hey. this week in general, so I had lots of time to pronounce them, which is, uh, <laughs> so they're going to be a little bit slow, <laughs> but it's okay. Um, hey, yo. It kind of felt like you phoned that one in. A little low on the energy. Can we do it again this time with feeling? <laughs> <laughs> That's because I wasn't having a rush to pronounce the scores. They were because they were uh, only four digits or five digits this week. So you should let have... David Ladd do it. Oh, and, 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 and uh, at six thousand one hundred and ten. Yeah. Oh. 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 Hey, you you uh, I don't know if you saw you Stevie. Yeah, there you go. But you Stevie, I don't know if you noticed, I'm number nine. Nine? Oh, that's great. Nine. Number nine? Number nine? <laughs> I'm just wondering how Nick did it without moving his lips. I mean, we're sitting here and I wasn't seeing him. <laughs> Is he drinking a glass of water at the same time? That's right. <laughs> so can you see my screen? Yes. Certainly can. Okay, oh, so yeah. we had a submission by Buck Owens this week, who I think took umbrage with us calling it Jumpman. Um, I will say, when it, when it's not super jump, he really didn't jump that well. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's what Buck Owens is saying. I'm not sure. Can't jump, man. Yes. <laughs> so uh, this is his review from Rainbow, and uh, it got a favorable review, as I'm sure we uh, are not surprised. As, by. as Rainbow traditionally did with just about everything back then. It did get favorable reviews by other other uh, magazines as well, but uh, yeah. So, uh, what did you guys uh, think of the game this week? I'm just saying, in my case, I, mean, I was planning on getting back to playing it on real hardware because I was playing it in an emulator within a virtual machine. So, I was getting a little bit of lag in the joystick because I mm. used to be pretty good at this game. I, I used to be able to get up to like level 46 or something like that, but I, I have not played it in so long. I completely suck at it now. So, there was some debate as to whether it took, uh, because it, with the analog joystick, if it took into account more than just the 45 degree position of the stick when it came to jumping off the ladder or not, um, like whether, you know what I mean? What I'm trying to say? Yeah. Whether um, it's a switch based style reading of the joystick. Cause I know I enjoyed using the, 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 the uh, Sega gamepad again. I found I could whip around even if it did sacrifice some angles, which I'm not sure if it did or not, but. Yeah. I'm not um, sure if it did, did or not either. I do remember one thing though, is that this game was a blast to play with two player. Yes, because you could gang up on each other and throw eggs at each other and, and make it as... Well, we usually play cooperative because well. we would want to try to get through as many levels because there's so many in the game to get through. And the, the later ones are quite difficult. So mm. you know, having cooperative meant you could actually see the screens because you you have a selection at the beginning. You can pick you know those different site groupings, like mm. no jump and super jump. <clears throat> but once you get into the highest one, starting at level 41, there's no more skipping. You have to earn your way through the rest of them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this game is, uh, I mean, the only enemies were the cats. Everything else was, uh, I mean, the birds would pick you up. And then there was, like, zappers on the floor that seemed to attract me all the time. But, uh, but yeah, this is one of, like, this is one of the uh, top platformers, and when I think of the Coco, anyway. Yep, I'd have to agree with that. 
Yeah, so. I enjoyed it. Um, the the I used Tandy Deluxe Joystick because um, that's what I had near me, but it was very easy to play and easy to get better. Um, and I feel like, you know, again, a lot of these games, a uh, week is sometimes not enough time, so hopefully we'll, you know, hopefully it'll inspire people to keep playing them. Yeah. You get bored, you hit the space bar. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of space bar, that was one thing that was kind of fun. If you hit the space bar, it puts into P mode three mode. So people were having fun playing with the uh, palettes this week as well and giving it custom, custom looks. So and it helps and, for those uh, people that are running scarred cocos like Peter, for example, or pals that you actually would have a color version of it rather than just black and white. Yeah. So yeah, I, this is a good game. I don't, I don't know if we have a whole lot to say about it, but uh, it uh, seemed to me people had fun with it. And uh, do we have uh, a drum roll for the new, had, next game? Hold on, a, yeah. Uh, hold on a sec. Uh, Ten uh, lies. That was all you got. You didn't earn any more, and that was um, so. That was it basically? See how far you can get. Any any puns on the cash versus credit that we could uh, <laughs> we could do? Uh, good on that. Yeah. I believe when we were live streaming this, somebody had asked if they were playing this in the UK, would they be uh, pound signs instead of dollar signs? I'm not sure if that uh, conversion was ever made. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do know what dollars are, so I suppose it yeah. works. <laughs> yeah, that'd be Pound funny. man has a completely different uh, connotation. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> oh, yeah, Nick really and like I were actually going to use Canadian dollars because then we get a 1.3 gain, you know, on the points. But uh, that's right. We got told that wasn't the proper way to play for the competition. So not all the time. <laughs> was there check. any specific? Uh, was there any specific strategies with this game at all? I mean, I, this is one I was not familiar with. I never really, I did play this one back in the day. So. Learning how learning how to fling yourself off the ladders to uh, to get the dollar some of the dollar signs yeah. as you jump yeah. up. Yeah. Well, uh, my score does not indicate that I my advice should be heated in any way. But um, one of the things I found later on is that if you try to get all the dollars at the top of the screen first, it's actually better because there's less bad guys at the beginning of the round and. You know, if you get the bottom ones and you go to the top, there's so many cats and birds, it becomes a big pain. So I did find that if I tried to clear the top of the screen really quick and then I could take my time on the lower half, I, it was easier because the bad guys always seem to start from the top and work their way down. And you got rewarded a lot more for shooting the uh, birds and cats because the dollars were only worth 50, whereas shooting the bird was 250 and the cat was, I think, 150. So it seemed to it seemed to really uh, reward you for uh, for uh, hitting attacking the, wildlife. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> if you catch the bombs too, they won't become cats. So catching bombs um, minimizes the threats on screen. But then you only got thirty points for that. But I mean, there's still points. So well, it lets you survive better too, because then you wouldn't have so many cats running around. So Meow. And cats. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> I do remember so, in the old rainbows when this first came out though this was advertised as one of the first games that have like dozens of screens more than 40 yes and also had the uh well not really an Easter egg it was pretty obvious when you got to the level there was the the, the uh author's oh, yeah, names. The author's names <laughs> so it wasn't a very subtle Easter egg but it was definitely uh so I, I assume that they they were okay with uh the publishers were okay with that 
Yeah, it was an Easter egg in your face. You know, exactly. So. Exactly. So well, that's a good game. Yeah. Uh, thanks 32K required. Again for, yeah. All right. So if there's not much more to say about this, then we'll uh, talk about next week's game, which shall be... Anybody? Speed Racer. Speed Racer. Which track are we using as a standard? We are going to use track two. So this is very important. Track two. Track two? Uh, track one is a little too simplistic. It was just a loop. Uh, so we'll use track two. Could you, could you say the, it in French for our... Uh, track two. Thank you. Duh. Peter, can you verify? Did he pronounce that correctly? That's absolutely perfect <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> 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 was, oh, that, track. was that a laugh track? It's awesome. It was off the fairlight. <laughs> oh. Norm! Now we have a laugh track. <laughs> How's life treating you? <laughs> so, yes. Finally, somebody thinks this show is funny. <laughs> I got a rock. Here's something funny Steve Strobridge's picture is made by an MC10. Oh, <laughs> well. All right. So anyway, before the show goes, yeah, here we go. (laughs) Go ahead, Nick. Sorry. Next week's game, Speed Racer Track Two, and we'll see you on the other side. Thanks a lot, guys, for uh, continuing to support this this segment. All right, and Curtis, do we want to take another break and come back with news, or you want to go straight into? Can I make a prediction? Sure. I'm going to predict that Samuel Gimes is going to have a catchy tune that sounds something like Go Speed Racer, go! Well, we'll have to see. I feel like you're you're trying to bait Samuel Gimes. I would would never do that. I just want to make sure that I can really please Rondell Vaux because he is a great (laughs) Well, as you know, Ron Ron got a start as a judge on American Idol. That's right. Get a hook. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that gong show? <laughs> well, as, uh, as far as game on news, actually, there's not too many, so I wouldn't mind tacking it on before we do a commercial break. Or okay. Something. Do you want to do? Do you want me to the game on intro? This is the only game on intro I have. So, do you, yeah, sure. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Get ready for game on. We were talking about games. A lot it's already paid for, man. As well use it. That wasn't condescending. <laughs> <laughs> Needs more reverb. Needs more cowbell. It was condescending. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just setting that up and. You get, oh, you get okay. the screen there. So the first, oh good, okay. First one up, uh, Jim Gary, of course, because you know it, it, a week has passed. So obviously, he wrote some more games. <clears throat> uh, he took a bit of a break this week. He only wrote one that I saw. I actually didn't. That's not true. He did some slight modifications to one of his previous ones, which I didn't bother putting in because a very minor modification. So anyway, in this case here, this is actually like classic computer times two. So we've got the MC10 that he writes this stuff for. And as you can see in the remarks in the bottom, this is a conversion of the little brick out 
that Steve Wozniak wrote in the integer basic that Steve wrote for the Apple II before AppleSoft basic came out, which was made by Microsoft, which added high res and floating point. So this is the original cassette based uh, basic that the Apple II had back in like 77. And one of the demo programs they gave with it uh, was Steve Wozniak's little uh, bust out game. So he actually converted it over to the Cocoa side of things, um, which I thought was pretty cool because that's even more retro than the MC10 or the Cocoa itself. So Check out that paddle action. Yeah, the physics of how that thing reflects, I'm not too sure on. But <laughs> I think it's been improved since. Uh, Mark, since you're actually an Apple II guy, do you have any comments on the original Waz breakout that this is based on? Mm, well, not really. I mean, you know, Waz like video games, and that's one of the things you want to do is its own color and sound, just like this, little bips and boops, uh, the paddle. So, yeah, it's very cool. It's, uh, it's been around since, what, 77? So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's a very classic uh, game you could run at home. Those lucky people had an Apple too. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty cool. I, I like that it was double retro. So you play this until there's no balls left, correct? Yeah. Correct. And then it re refills up again. <laughs> then it refills again. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, Chet, who's actually on the panel today, has released the first public beta of Digger 3. Um, it does have a couple minor known bugs that he's, he's we've been working on. I think it only has the first 10 levels. Um, and has hard mode disabled. And I know I've, I've seen some uh, comments on the Amigos, uh, some of the Amigos viewers have mentioned that maybe you shouldn't rename the levels to be normal and hard because easy isn't really descriptive, as they put it. <laughs> That's what actually playing the game is. Um, but anyway, uh, for the people that have watched us, you know, doing various demos or watching some of the Chet's videos when he's done some live testing and stuff here, there's an actual playable version with uh, the first 10 levels. Now, Chet, are the first 10 levels cemented in at this point, or are you still doing tweaks to those as well? Um, there's been uh, you know, a couple of minor tweaks, but nothing uh, major, mostly uh, performance stuff and you know, tweaks for the AI. But, um, I mean, we're pretty much code complete now. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I, I made a few tweaks this morning and uh, finishing up the uh, final level, and, and then it's uh, all the, the, the final testing, the full playthrough, and the... And the uh, the uh, performance testing, and that's it. We're done. Cool. And you're, you're going for 40 levels? No, not 37 like I think you originally planned? Actually, it's changed, but I'm not going to say how many there are. Oh, okay. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's 11. It's actually changed, it's... so nobody knows now. <laughs> It'll be somewhere <laughs> between 20 and 50. Okay. <laughs> anyway, for any of those of you who've been you know, watching with bated breath as we've been you know showing demo videos and stuff here, you actually have a playable demo you can try now with the first 10 levels you know basically as they're going to appear in the final game yeah and uh 512k coco 3 required does not require 6309 features you know four-way scrolling parallax scrolling digitized sound effects it's an awesome game just go grab it keyboard too if you if you don't have a joystick uh coco 3 obviously required or a coco 3 emulator and i'm sure chet will keep us posted yes yeah, so i'll be out in like the next couple of weeks cool Looking forward to it so I can get frustrated and pull my hair out. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, Paul Thayer now has Timberman available for paid download at itch.io. And this here is the official announcement he did on Facebook uh, mentioning that it's out. And uh, here's the actual screen splash on itch.io itself. So it has some screenshots and some details about the game. For $5, you get the game itself as a digital download. You also get a full color PDF of the manual. Um, is Paul still on the call? Because if he wants to do any comments on that, he can. 
I have a question. Yep. If I'd like to get a black and white PDF, can I save 50 cents on that? I think you have to take it down to your nearest Kinko's and get them to print it out <laughs> on a, a black and white printer. <laughs> Paul Thayer is on the panel. Paul, any, any comments on uh, your experience with HIO so far? I loved I think it. He was, no, I think he was talking, but it was very faint. It was much better than cats. Well, I think we posted the link in the, in the chat, and it's, it's, um, it's a big uh, a community uh, for inde independent game developers. Uh, they have all sorts of uh, uh, both uh, traditional type of Windows, Mac games, but they also have... Um, uh, these fantasy consoles, which basically mimic the old style graphics and kind of, um, you know, people develop for. And then um, the Commodore 64 community is very active on itch.io. So we've got Paul Thayer on there uh, as a developer, as well as Erico, um, yep. as well on, on itch.io. So hopefully it'll be an, another destination that, we, that the Cocoa community can invade and take over, like Discord. Or YouTube, like right now. Mm -hmm. uh, next up, Paul Shoemaker. Just after he released his uh, uh, solo poker game, which is a conversion from Coco 2 to Coco 3 with some really nice graphics, he comes up with this. Uh, it says, messing around with some another possible idea this evening. So many ideas, so little time. And also some of my ideas are now beyond my actual programming skill level. That's that's me writing Nitrous 9 right now, actually. But uh, the, the, the graphics here is like using the four-color 640 mode, I think, I believe. And it actually looks pretty good. So I'm interested in what kind of a game he's going to come out with this here. Yeah, you, you can see how I, I've been a big proponent of using that mode. I think I think that when the Coco Three came out, people were so excited to have to have actual colors that they they used the 320 mode a lot. But um, hopefully, we'll see some development in this. Um, yeah, because I mean, there's some there's some pretty capable graphics you can do in that, and uh, you can obviously fit more text if you need it. If you want to do like a hybrid graphic adventure game with animation and you know some real time elements, there it's it's a perfect mode for that kind of thing. And you can use any four colors, so it's not like the Pima four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Next up, this is this is a YouTube channel I've not seen before. It's called the New Retro Show. Apparently, it's been around for a while, and his goal is that he takes retro computers. And he tries to find newly or relatively recently released software for them. And he decided to do a special on the Coco and the MC-10. So he features a couple of Jim Gary's games on this one. And uh, then he featured uh, Karen's uh, Dungeons game. And he's running these in emulators. So I've actually tried to contact him. I haven't heard back from him yet. But you know, we've had quite a few games since. I mean, Dungeons was released in 2018, I believe. So it's already a couple of years old, and with you know stuff that Chet's done, Paul Shoemaker's done, um, Paul Thayer has done, and a bunch of others, there's a, there's quite a bit more. It's you new know, Nick, etc. So I I'm hoping to get uh, contact with him, maybe get him on the show here to kind of discuss uh, maybe some newer Coco stuff. I won't play the whole thing here, but you guys can go watch the the reviews. And he's like he's playing with like I said with emulators at this point. He doesn't actually have the real hardware, but he tries some basic games and and some other things too. So. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting uh, some contact with him and maybe get him on the show. 
And the last one here, now Canadian Retro Things is actually in the chat. Uh, but basically he did a, uh, this won't be too loud here. Good channel. He has a, uh, a kind of a review hey of an old book series that this used to be out. This is kind of like the Choose Your Own Adventures, if you guys remember those from the early 80s. If you've been following where basically you'd read a you know, couple you pages know of text and then you get to pick you know what your next move was and it would tell you to jump to page whatever. Language. Well, this took it to another and level. You actually had little basic enough, programs, and like this was cross-platforms that ran on the Coco and the Model 1, 3, the Apple II, the Atari, the Commodore, etc. And you would basically read up to a certain point, then you have to punch in a basic program, and then you'll get results from that program, like it might be a decoder. You have to type in some what looks like random gibberish and then you would type and it in to get the secret message so you can make your decision and then in other parts book. later on well, it actually tried to teach you a little bit of programming because it would give you a basic program listing say you modify one line so that this program now runs for what you needed to do so actually kind of taught you a very very basic a little bit of programming in it too each book and i hadn't actually played any of these i remember seeing them but i never actually did play these so it was actually kind of interesting for me to see it did anybody else here on the panel have experience playing or going through these particular books back in the day they're uh computer programs that are made I did. the IBM PC. I did once. PC I remember Junior, a buddy of mine at school, Plus, he had two or three, and he lent me one six under 64. And uh, they, they were good. I, I didn't actually read the book again then, but I, I tried most of the programs in it. Yeah. There were, there were things like um, uh, the character in the book was a secret agent or something, and he came to a door, and he had to unlock the door with a special code. And in order to, to get the special code, you needed to tap in a program. And then uh, tap in a sentence or something, and it had converted in such a way that it spit out a number. And then the number was the code he needed to open the door or whatever. It was an interesting little, it was an interesting read. They were interesting books. Mm. Yeah, I do like the fact that some of the programs were just like, well, one was like an interpreter, you know, shifted ASCII characters around. So you type in some gibberish that you found some secret code, and it would translate it for you once you type the program in. But not just typing in programs blindly and then running them as an interactive thing, but you actually got programs that you had to modify yourself to figure out. You know, so you had to learn a little tiny bit of programming. So it was like nice introduction, I think, to, to getting some people used to basic programming at least a little bit. So it tried to teach as well as just be entertaining, which I thought was pretty innovative. Anyway, that's all the game on news I have for today. Jeez! <laughs> oh, it's the first time we've ever gotten applause for. Game oh, I thought the clapping was just trying to wake me up. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, Curtis, what would you like to do? Uh, go into straight into news. You want to take a break? What do you? What do you? What's your flavor? I would say we do a quick commercial break. If you've got a shorter segment of commercials, that'd be best. And then um, I'll do the news, and then we'll get into the you know project updates and acquisitions. Well, I can always make something short. So maybe I'll uh, we can watch something for uh, a shorter period of time, like Fletcher. Here we go. After these messages, we'll be right back. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But, JT... Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model 100. Save $300 and put it to work. You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> You'll go far. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. On holidays, Uncle JT would entertain us with stories of his business conquests and his assistant who would meet any deadline that he imposed, no matter how ridiculous. Well, 
Until she shot him in the face, that is. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on News with El Curtis Muppet News Flash. Take it away, Curtis. Okay. No, it says I can't share the screen yet. Go ahead. Ah, there we go. Okay, so first up in the news, uh, we've got um, Chibi Akumis, who actually has been doing a series of stuff on the 6809 recently. So we did Lesson 4 on the general 6809. He's also covering specific 6809 machines, too. So he's covered, like, the Dragon Coco and done a Hello World. He's done some stuff in the Vectrix. He's just done stuff in the Fujitsu FM77. Uh, this is part of his general 6809 series where he goes into the stacks. He was quite impressed that the 6809 actually had two stacks because that wasn't too common back then, obviously. The user stack and he actually gets into a fair bit of detail does one or two little programming tricks with the stack too so it gets into a slightly more advanced though he'll you know delve into it even more when he gets further up in there in his, his uh, little courses here and his ultimate goal as i've mentioned before is he's planning and writing a vectrix game so he's actually kind of just learning the whole cpu and then the vectrix system itself but he's learning these other six machines at the same time it's a pretty good series actually i'm, I'm pretty impressed with it Uh, next up, Carlos Martins Nibito. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He posted this cool link to some 1983 to 1987 news about the Brazilian Coco clones. Now it's written in Portuguese, as you can say here. So uh, if Mark posts a link for it, you can actually Google Translate this sucker, and then it becomes in English for us. So it goes into the CP400 in this particular case, and uh, you know does old ads. And there's a there's a ton of articles. There's a whole stuff bunch of stuff here you can read on it. You know, to give you a unique perspective on how the Brazilian clone market works, because of course, as we've had some of the people from Brazil on before, they weren't really allowed to sell the actual cocoa and stuff, so that you had to sell something made in Brazil. So people just cloned every machine, not just the cocoa. And and sometimes they did little improvements and you know like keyboards and stuff. So it's it's a really interesting snippet of history that a lot of us don't know that much about, kind of like the scarred cocoa that Peter showed earlier. So lots of cool things on there. Definitely worth the read. Next up here, uh, Jason Weber on Facebook is helping organize Septandy for this year, which is a YouTube virtual fest of sorts. And he's looking for suggestions for Coco 3 video portion of the show because he's planning on, on showing off some Coco 3 specific stuff. Now he has a Coco 3 with a 6 through 9 and pre-installed, 512K RAM and a Coco SDC. And he's looking for suggestions for games or programs that will really show off the hardware or show off the software capability of the Coco 3. So, He's looking for suggestions. We've had a few people that have mentioned a few things. We've mentioned Digger 3 since the, the preview got released, and you know, Donkey Kong by Sockmaster, the mod player, uh, Nitrous 9, Sinistar, Contras, you know, all that kind of stuff. If you guys go through that list, though, and you can think of anything that any of the other people that have posted comments on there have missed that he thinks that you think should be good to show off on this other show in September, please do so. We want to you know, show the Coco in this best light. Uh, next up, and um, Frederick Grillon. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that one right either. I have a French theme going on here today. <clears throat> so this is actually a Quebec Canadian French uh, commercial ad from the Rayshack catalog in '82, I believe it was, um, showing the uh, you know the upgraded from 4K to 16K at the same price as last year's 4K, and that $549 Canadian is exactly what I paid for my 4K Coco One in 1981. So I, I remember these ads in English actually. Uh, so it's kind of interesting seeing the uh, 
you know, the ads, you can also see what the Canadian prices were for various things, like how much, you know, 32K RAM upgrade was, how much the, you know, extended basic upgrade was, which is $150 at the time. And then also some of the game cartridges that were available then and what their prices were in Canadian and in Canadian and the French. Good block beauty joysticks. Yeah, with the metal unscrewable handles. I believe in France they're called uh, Beauty Noir. <laughs> oh, oh, Color oh, Noir. Yeah. That's actually a hybrid of an Italian French there. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> okay, further on, James Jones, who was in the chat earlier too, so if he wants to chime in anything while I'm blabbing about what little bit I know about it. Um, he's actually working on doing a Google Doc presentation of for Basic 09 from the perspective of somebody coming to it from Disk Basic or Super Extended Basic or what have you. So it's kind of a way to teach you if you're used to you know regular extended color basic type thing and you want to learn Basic 09, it's coming from that perspective. And he's actually got the Google Doc already well started. There's you know a couple dozen pages in already. Uh, kind of going through what some of the differences are and some of the you know different things you can do, and et cetera. And he's planning on making an entire series. And it, this is something I was planning on trying to do in video at some point. I probably still will because I think video helps with certain people, like Stevie, for example, that's more visually oriented. I need but, a pop-up uh, if, book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pop-up book. <laughs> with your little type-in programs, yeah. <clears throat> but basically, it's, 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 a, it's a good idea. That's something I've been thinking about doing for a while. I just haven't had the time to do it. So I'm glad James is tackling it now so you don't have to wait for my sorry ass to finally get it done. Hey, Curtis, um, will you be yeah. able to uh, perform it with finger puppets for Stevie? Gonna, that might be maybe visually yeah yeah now a broadway musical <laughs> yeah Complex the sequel to hamilton times. and finger puppets <laughs> anyway it's an ongoing project so if and, and there's been some suggestions like how, how to write it to make it easier for somebody coming from that perspective <clears throat> now the one thing is is that james is like a computer scientist he's incredibly knowledgeable and sometimes he goes way over my head, and I know Basic 9 fairly well. So sometimes you, you may need some suggestions to, you know, for lack of a better term, dumb it down even more than he is now, uh, just to make it more understandable for the layperson. Or maybe, you know, some people like me or, or some other people that are, you know, uh, not quite at that level of programming knowledge can actually help with, uh, you know, getting the simpler ideas across. But it's, it's well worth the read if you want to, you know, take a look into how Basic 9 and, and, and you know, versus super extended basic and how to convert between the two and, you know, some of the shortcuts you can take either way type things. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this. I actually plan on maybe helping collaborate with him on it later and using him as a def definitely as a technical reference when I get to the video version of the series, whenever that happens. Anyway, on Facebook, you send him some feedback, peruse their Google Doc that he's got a public post to in, in there and then uh, give some feedback on, you know, how to make the series better and, and maybe some certain things that people would like to learn first. So you're telling me after all these years, I've got to finally join Facebook. <laughs> well, you actually, it's ironic because you actually did a basic nine column kind of along the same lines. I, actually, I think yours was more on OS nine in general, but you did that in six to eight micros back in the day. Yeah, that was many, 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 many moons ago. Uh, next up. Um, oh, this is actual, sorry. This is actually still James. This is the actual Google doc itself. And he calls it Escape from Color Basic, which I thought was cool. Some others may disagree with me on that. But um, <laughs> yes, Nick Marotta, I was thinking of you. Uh, and, thank you. And Stevie. Um, but he kind of goes into the origins of it, and then he kind of goes into some of the differences of it. And 
you know, some of the basic, you know, tenets of what's different in the language. And like I said, it's an ongoing thing. He's, you know, getting into some stuff here that he's got planned, but definitely worth a read. Yep. And James is t- in the chat. He says, yes, please let me know when I go too deeply into jargon or can simpl- simplify things. It is a matter of letting the reader use his or her brain on the subject matter instead of my convoluted writing. <laughs> And as people have ever written anything, or read anything that I've written, I'm pretty convoluted myself. So, unless we not forget, way. there is a middle ground uh, to training wheels to getting into Basic 09. You can run uh, Radio Shack Basic by Chris Burke in uh, in OS9. Yeah, that's available. You can use that actually if you use two windows next to each other. You can actually, you know, hopefully follow some of James's samples. Like here's super extended code. Here's basic nine code, and you can actually literally just hit clear to go back and forth to try the samples yourself. So it's a, it's a nice environment for learning that transition. Next up, Timothy Halloran, whom I also believe is in chat, uh, who is doing the USB-powered Cocoa. And he says, initial test with the USB-powered Cocoa 3 got the system mostly working. Several puzzles to figure out. You can see the USB plug into the power strip. No AC power via the note taped over the power cord. This Coco 3 also has the 2 meg voice and tech memory, Hitachi 639 CPU, and Ed's excellent little sidecar, the SD, or the mini MPI and the SDC. And yes, it boots OS 9 just fine. So he's already got it to the point where he's running peripherals and stuff here based on running just USB power to power the Coco. Now, obviously, the, the 2 meg boards these days with static RAM take far less power, generate less heat. The 639 takes one-tenth the power of the 6809, so I, that probably definitely helps on getting this running smoothly. But uh, it's 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 interesting that you know pretty soon we might have you you know color computers running completely off USB power, which means you can literally take it to the airport if you had a little portable screen, something just plug it into the USB charger or something like that, and flip people out watching you trying to program run a game of Cashman on the Coco Three sitting in the airport on a full size <laughs> keyboard. I want to see pictures of the first person that actually does that too. Next up, uh, Soren Rouge, Ru- I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, has been typing in the Dragon 128 drivers for OS 9. Now, Richard, a guy named Richard Harding did the original port. Now, this is for the Dragon 128 beta. This never got actually released. It was in prototyping stage. There's some working prototypes kicking around, more than one. And it was a machine that actually had an MMU built in and some you know better graphics cards and a whole bunch of other things built in. Um, it was meant to be a more of a professional machine. We're running OS 9 level 2. I actually had higher res graphics modes in some cases than the Coco did. Uh, never got released. And um, he got, uh, Richard Harding actually has the physical printed listings from back when he wrote the drivers for the Dragon before it got canceled. And he sent them to Soren, who actually has the Dragon 128 hardware. And he's been typing them all in. He's actually gotten the system booted up and running. He's not done yet but it has a lot of interesting bits to it. And I won't go into everything here. There's a ton of stuff. There's a manual that you can actually read that gives a fair bit of the details. But it had cool things like the basic nine in this particular one, if it detected you were trying to use a graphics keyword, uh, like right now in basic nine, we have to do run GFX2 or run GFX or whatever your external program, and you send that sequence of you know commands to that and parameters. What they did is they tweaked basic nine. So if it went through the key the keyword list and it couldn't find anything that it understood, it would automatically try to link to the graphics package, which had these other extra commands. But rather than you having you manually put run GFX2, blah, 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 it would actually do that internally. So you just type in the command just like a normal command. You do like, you know, uh, line, you know, five comma five to 100 comma 10. And it would actually figure out that's not a normal basic nine command. It would automatically fire that off internally to the graphics package. 
So it became inline actual commands in Base 9 as far as you're concerned, even though it is technically still doing the same thing that Base 9 on the Cocoa does, but it actually made it easier to use. So that's kind of cool. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff in here too. So, um, And there's a little sample code here of, of some of the commands here. Like he's got G clear for graphics clear, C set, and he's got move to the graphics cursor and circle. And you'll notice that there's no run GFX2 or anything like that. It's just the command and you just send it the parameters, even though internally it's doing it kind of like we're doing it anyway. But he goes through a bunch of it and he's still working on it. It's an unfinished project at this point. We did have to the point of up and running. Uh, the Dragon 128 actually went up to 768K of RAM, which is more than the Coco 3 did several years later, officially. Um, had the graphics res, I think, went up to 512 by 512 by 4, something like that. You could do up to 64K in one graphics screen. So it, was, it was pretty pretty decent graphics. Had the AY sound chip and a bunch of other things, too. So I thought that was kind of cool. Another OS 9 related one here. Um, sorry, guys. Uh, so this one here, Carlos Camacho posted the cover to an OS9 book called The OS9 Guru, Part 1, The Facts. And this was supposed to be a series. I believe it only maxed out at the one. Um, written by Paul S. Dane, who's not somebody I've heard of, but apparently he was quite renowned in the OSK community at the time. Um, and he actually had done a lot of work in the 689 version of OS9 before that. Uh, I don't, I'm not aware if he did any books on the 689 side of things, but he was uh, one of the gurus, as they put it back then. And this one here, another extended Dragon. So this is posted in the Dragon uh, Facebook group. So the Dragon 200E is one of the other prototypes that was done of, of Dragon, the next generation that never really met fruition here. But uh, they've actually they'd had an external uh, character ROM. So the VDG has a built-in ROM, and you were allowed to externally hook up a ROM, and with a single POG, you could actually swap that other character set in. And that's how the lowercase kits and stuff used to work for the Coco back in the day. Well, the Dragon 200E had one of those built in. And they've been trying to get the emulation of the Dragon 200E working in MAME. And that was one of the last things left that wasn't working. It is now officially working. So as of this next release of MAME, the Dragon 200E is fully emulated. So if you guys want to check out some you know, hardware that never got past really the prototyping stage and you know has very few physical uh, computers existing these days and want to see what the Dragon 200E was about, MAME will have it. And next up, this is kind of a self-promotion because I'm kind of a whore that way. Um, so I've been working on beta six. Oh, go ahead. No, whores get paid. So you're not. <laughs> I'm a cheap whore. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, um, we saw you were the second comment in that couple posts back there. <laughs> so anyway, I've been I've been doing some more uh, work on beta six, and that's that's a long-term project. There's a ton of stuff Bill and I want to get done. He's working on various things. I'm working on various things. Uh, but this one was a, a fairly quick little hack I did to the graphics driver. Now, in previous beta 5, I'd optimized the, uh, I mean, it was beta 4, I can't remember. But basically, I'd optimized some of the memory copy on the 6809 version to run a bit faster using a mini stack blast with four bytes. So I decided just for a joke, because it was only going to take six extra bytes to do it, and a lot of the internal structures in OS 9 fall on even 8-byte eight eight byte boundaries, like palette copying and get put buffers and GP loads and a bunch of other crap. So I decided, well, well, how if I unroll the loop a little bit? I'll do eight bytes at a time and just unroll it. So I added to add six bytes of instructions. That's all I did. And it ended up doing uh, speed up on scroll screen scrolling, some get put buffers and some other things that actually was a bit bigger of an increase in speed than I was expecting. So I thought I'd show the results here. So these are the 6309 versions for these little demos. And on the left-hand side will be your... Um, oops, that's not the right one. 
this one here, sorry. Um, so this will be basically the uh, 6809 3.30 uh, slash beta one. So this is the official Nitro release on the repository on the far left. In the middle is the previous speed ups I'd done for the scrolling before and on the far right is the, the current one. So this will be either 6809 on all of these cases here. I won't run the whole video. I just ran the whole video because I was trying to figure out timings between you know how much of a speed gain. And to my surprise, I'm actually getting about a 14 to 15% increase in speed on the scrolling. Now, this isn't quite fair because it's also got the overhead of actually writing all the characters and stuff out. Uh, but it gives, it gives you an idea of the, the speed scrolling. And the get put buffers use the same, same technique here. So... And if you let it run through the whole two-minute sequence here, you'll eventually see that the right-hand side where we started last actually passes both of the other two and finishes first. So this is the hardware tech screen version, and it's not quite six or nine speeds, but it's getting up there. And then on the graphics screen, which was notoriously slow on the original Coco, like if you ever run the original stock OS 9 level two and you're kicking a 640 by 192 by four color screen, try to do text on it. It's like watching molasses run uphill. Um, <laughs> so this one here is basically got the, the Nitro repository beta one on a ease of use on the far left again, beta five in the middle, and then the speed ups on, on beta six on the right. And you can almost watch the ripple effect on the far left one. Like that's how much slower it was now. So it's, I think it's about 35% faster now than the uh, the original version from the Nitro repository. So I'm pretty pleased with that. I mean, it's not still not up to six or nine speeds, but it's one, one thing I'm trying to do with this. So I'm trying to get the 6809 speed wise, especially on graphics stuff, as caught up as I can to the 6309. Obviously I'll never make it that far because the 6.9 is just a more capable chip. But for people that want to write games or you know do word processors with graphics or something like that, I want to get the 6.9 as close to the 6.9 speed as possible so you don't have to write a game and go 6.9 has to be required because it'll just run so dog slow on a stock machine that you, know, you don't want to touch it. This way, you'll have a base that is actually pretty good. If you can design a game for 6.9, basically 9, or C or whatever else, because this works with all the languages, assembly and everything else too, going through the legal windowing system, then you'll have a pretty good speed boost right off the start. And if you have a six or nine, you can add bonus features or just it runs faster. So um, I was pretty pleased that it did a 14, 15% speed increase for only six bytes. That was that was beyond what my original goal was. So, And then the last videos here, um, as you may know, uh, I, along, along with a few other people, I think there's just under a dozen of us, have got Gimme X prototypes from Ed Snyder. Now, we have discovered that the Coco SDC, and this is due to limitations to the uh, microcontroller that's in the SDC, cannot handle running at 3 megahertz. It actually screws up in IOAs and scrambles data and all kinds of stuff. So we have to kick some drivers down to slow it back down for it. So Bill's working on that right now for Nitrous 9. If you're in basic, basically, you'll just have to run the regular speed through disk basic and then kick in the high speed after you're not talking to disk I.O., if you have a machine language program that's doing disk I.O., you'll either have to kick it down to 2 megahertz and then do the normal timing changes you have to do to do that, or kick it down to 1 megahertz if you're making like DOS ROM calls and stuff. But uh, the 3 megahertz is too fast for the uh, the SDC to do at full 3 megahertz. So what I've been doing here until we get that all working in Nitrous 9 is I decided I wrote a little basic 9 program in another window, and I just just a couple of pokes, that's all it does. So I can kick it between 2 megahertz and I can kick it up to 3 and then back again. 
So if I run programs that are not disk-based, like they load off disk and then can run completely out of RAM, you can actually see what the speedups are. So this first instance here is the famous base 9 bouncing ball demo. So I got two megahertz on the left, three megahertz mode on the right on the Gimme X. Um, this one actually has sleep calls. So it's not the full uh, speed increase you, you could see. There's a bit, because the student's page flipping and stuff and I wanted to make sure the timing wasn't catching a screen mid-scan, which Bill and I have to fix so you don't have to do this anymore, but we haven't got to that yet either. But it, it does show a little bit of the speed increase here. So I'll just play this little clip. And that's getting closer to the 639 speeds. Actually, it's probably past the 639 at this point on the, uh, on two megahertz anyway. So you can see a fairly good speed increase there. Um, the next one here, this is a base 9 program as well, uh, Super Ike, which is what we've been designing all the icons, thanks to Rob Inman and, and Nick uh, Marentes and myself. We've done a ton of icons. So this one here, I just do a quick little demo of doing a vertical flip of the icon, and then it uh, updates the new icon on the upper left-hand corner as well. And this is doing individual paints and stuff, but you can see it's a fair bit faster there. The one on the right's already done, still drawing the left, now it's finished. This one here is for Paul Thayer. Uh, hopefully you can still see in here. This one actually has an audio clip. So let me know if you guys can hear the audio okay or not. Actually, it might be too loud if I leave it at this level. Oh, no, I guess they're turned down. <clears throat> so on this case here, this is completely loaded in, but I haven't adjusted the speed for the sound sample. So you're gonna have the Smurf version of Kind Guy playing here because the sound is gonna be ramped up by megahertz too. So I started out with some sound on the three megahertz side on the right, so you can hear the sort of smurfy sound version of it. And then I'll, I'll you'll actually hear me mouse clicking and stuff because I was just recording my screen to do this. Uh, you'll actually see the, uh, or hear the two megahertz, the standard version on the left. And now these are the six through nine versions. They're a little bit faster than the six through nine version to begin with. But the speed of the scrolling here is what I really want to get a point across because this is a completely unlocked, not you know, frame rate locked program which will give you a, a more true appreciation of the speed difference between the two. So I know Paul was complaining earlier that uh, Kime Guy was playing a little slow and he liked the 639 version better. So there's the three megahertz version that might even be more Paul's speed. But the scrolling is definitely way faster. I mean, that's that's a full megahertz faster. Yeah. And last, oh, go ahead. No, I was just say, take that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one is Rescue and Fractus. So this is one game that I've actually optimized a fair bit in the 639 already. It's already running 35, 40% faster than the stock one. So this is the 6309 version on both two megahertz and three megahertz. And uh, this one actually was a pretty noticeable difference because it's not frame locked either. I didn't bother with sound because the sound in Fractus is kind of irritating. Uh, but this one, actually, you can really see the like the flight uh, change in speed here. Now, I will mention, I was recording this with my phone in my right hand and trying to play the game with my left hand on the joystick, so I'm, I play terribly. So uh, don't don't hold that against me.
But now it's almost running like at a decent flight simulator speed on the right, as you can see. And the left one's already, like I said, 40% faster than the original, so. Who's playing this game? It's terrible gameplay. Yeah, I suck. <laughs> what can I say? Just kidding. <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's a bit of a sneak preview of the speedups you can expect on the uh, Gimme X. There's still some hardware bugs and stuff. There's some timing issues. I've noticed a few games, like I tried playing Thexter, the OS 9 version of it. And if I run it at two makers, I get a ton of snow in the middle, you know, 50 lines of the screen for some reason. If I kick it into three makers, it doesn't. So there's there's still some tweaks with, you know, timing of changing palette registers and how they react compared to the original gimme, et cetera. So it's still much a work in progress. It's still very much a beta board at this point. He has done a couple of firmware updates that we have done, which has fixed a lot of the problems. There's still more to go. So, I mean, it's not going to be released in the next couple of weeks or anything. We want to make sure the hardware is working right. Bill and I want to make sure that Nitrous 9 is ready out the gate when the board's released to be, you know, here, run it three megahertz, have fun type things. So, and that's the news I had for today. Excellent. Any comments on the news? Not enough OS 9 for me, but uh, <laughs> that's just me. I'm, I'm waiting to see what people can do with a three megahertz, though, because that opens some doors. I'd like to see what Chet could do with three megahertz running, you know, and a six or a nine or something like that combined. That would be yeah, maze balls. I believe yeah. this is a technical term. Yeah, Chet, you're going to take the uh, OS nine three megahertz challenge? No. Of course. <laughs> Chet, I don't know if he OS needs the OS nine part of it. He might use it as a launcher, but OS nine's a breeze to work with, man. <laughs> oh, I used to work on microware, remember? Yeah, he did. I, I, I know all kinds about yeah. all kinds of stuff about OS nine. You you did more sixty eight K stuff though, where OS nine thousand or what? Um, my it was let's see, I did mostly sixty eight K stuff when I was there. Um, although it, it it was most of it was cross platform because it was all Maui and David, so it was the the interactive multimedia stuff that they were doing. So you know, all platforms really. Oh, okay. Yeah, because back then they had OS nine for R or not R. Yeah, they might have ARM. They had PowerPC for sure, the DEC Alpha, the Intel sixty eight K, et cetera. Yeah, they didn't have ARM at the time though. Okay. Yeah, they had, I think they had Spark though. And then you're doing some more testing here on, on Digger while we're talking, it looks like. Oh yeah, well, I've just got it running in the background. I'm actually uh uh just going through and putting some stuff together for it uh, for the release. Okay, cool. Are you playing another beta too, or is that one beta the one we're going to get until their full release? No, no, it's. Uh, I mean, everything is is uh, all the code's pretty much done. I mean, I, I don't foresee any cha any more changes to it, and all of the uh, all the maps except for that very last one are done. So it's just that last bit of testing, that last run through to make sure everything's right and dandy, you know, because I did you know change some tiles and uh, some of them were showing up as the wrong ones. So you know, it's just those little those little details I'm going through right now. But yeah, release is imminent. And you're still guaranteeing that we're all going to go completely insane on that last level. Oh, yeah. You're only going to hate me even more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think why don't we do something like take a little break and listen to some Nightmare Highway song from Rick Adams and the crew and come back for final thoughts. And then uh, I think we've... Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll see what everyone has to say that. Have you cleared this with Rondell Vaux to make sure he's going to be okay with it? <laughs> well, as you know, uh, Rondell Vaux got a start on America's Got Talent, where he would hit... <laughs>
he would often hit the hit the buzzer uh, very early. <laughs> Grab the hook. <laughs> we'll be right back. Enjoy this lovely song about one of the greatest games ever created for the color computer one, two, and three, and a game that will work quite nicely on uh, Peter Cullen's pal Coco Two. Uh, it's called Nightmare Highway, and it goes a little something like this. Got some time to kill, might play a little Zaxxon. Might double back to play a little Temple of Rum. Dungeons of Daggereth, color baseball. But none can hold a candle to the greatest of them all. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Sure, I love my sailor man and firefall. Go on a rampage for some super pitfall. Shanghai me into a game of rogue or demon attack. But sooner or later, you know I've got to come back to Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. It's got a road. And it's got a car. Dodge the furniture and you'll be a pop star. Well, okay, maybe I just stick to the facts. To tell this truth, this game really ain't all that Nightmare Highway Nightmare Highway Nightmare Highway Nightmare Highway I used to bow down to the Donkey King Grabber and Cash Man used to be my thing Megabug, Buzzard Bait, Sea Dragon 2 but none of those can satisfy me much as you do. Nightmare Highway. 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 And we're back. Nightmare Highway, the game based on a real life story. Some, uh, f- uh, I can't remember who it was who hit a fur- furniture on the way to Cocoa Fest. Does anyone re- recall? I think it was Ron Delvo. He it chopped was... down a tree and it landed on him. <laughs> no, that was a different, Terry different Steen. Terry Steen. Steen. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, okay. Of course. Who can, who I can... want to say that uh, that singer was a bit pitchy. <laughs> <laughs> who can if. Uh, uh, re- who can remember? Yeah, brought that up. How about that ukulele? <laughs> ukulele was on fleek. Uh, we'll give it that much. Singer's a bit bitchy, though. <laughs> Jerk. Well, Rick Adams is a great singer. He is. Uh, he did a great job on that. Um, 
Peter, we will get you the link to Nightmare Highway so you can download it and figure out a way to get to load it up on cassette. Um, did you have a good time today? Did it scare you off? Or you think you, maybe you'll come back? Oh, I'll be back. I'll be back if you'll have me. Well, there's a sucker. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sucker born every minute, as I say. So, uh, <laughs> right, right. We, uh, <laughs> we're glad to have you, um, and uh, hopefully you'll you'll come in and sit in on the panel in, in the future or in the live chat. Uh, Curtis, great work on all the the ease of use stuff coming out, and um, I, I'm I'm exploring RSB version 1.03, um, so I'll get back to you on that and and try that out a little bit. And David O'Connor, um, anything else you wanted to add? I think you did mention you had a, a final some final thoughts. I have a uh, talking of nightmare highway, but <laughs> hmm. some uh, rather revved up sounds for Ron Delvo yeah. for his Mopar. <laughs> hey. I got a Mopar loaded into these fair lines. Got me some uh, Hemi. Yeah, here we go. Right. Bit of Hemi. Big uh, four, uh, what, what's the biggest Hemi? 426, name? well. Okay. So oh, here we go. He's four, in the 400s. Here we go. Awesome. I believe that's a that's a sound effect from next week's game, uh, High Score Challenge. <laughs> Could be. It is. <laughs> so, Ron, does that does that does that sound actually make up for the singing in the previous week? There. I don't think it compares. <laughs> <Jesus>. Actually, <laughs> I think uh, Rick is going to give lessons to Mr. Gimes. Uh, don't don't you like how uh, everyone on the show really knows how to let things go? Uh, I swear that sound effect, I could smell burnt rubber. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's pretty cool, isn't it? It yeah. smelled like it was running a little rich. <laughs> I think that might have been a 440. It was a cop motor. It's got cop shocks yeah. and cop tires. Who's freaking let Debbie Downer in here today? Are, are you yeah. familiar with Nitrous 9? They I am. Yeah. 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 I got my little bottle and I got my, my boost button. Yeah. That's right. Definitely a bit of nitrous on that one, I think. <laughs> Can, can I inject a thought or two? Or, or sure. No, but thanks for asking. Uh, I was yeah. going to save you for last, uh, CV. But if you oh, okay, but go ahead. Sorry, I didn't know where we were going. <laughs> no, no, no. Right, you so. uh, go ahead and, and share your thoughts. Uh, they better be good at this point. Well, I, what I want to do is I actually want to extend my thanks to to all of you guys who have been keeping this train on the track for like two or three weeks in a row now because I have not been able to stream it we've had some great shows we've had some great evening news and um and and yeah and so i just want to give my heartfelt thanks to all of you who have been doing the streaming and the broadcasting and the news anchoring and the co-hosting and just being on providing content and just being the amazing people you are i really appreciate it who are you and and and, and how did you get stevie's uh login yeah. address yeah. <laughs> did, did you uh, come come over with jim brain to watch the show because he was in a good mood too so, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no appreciate oh, it. No, thanks, thanks for the kudos, Stevie. It's 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 fun to do it. So, yeah, absolutely. And Mark B has been helping in the background. I appreciate uh, him. You know, I was able to to kind of get up and running pretty quickly with his setup and and just change a few things. Um, so he was very helpful. Um, and thanks, Mark Overholzer, for uh, keeping the links going in the chat there. And absolutely, yeah, the show always is. And always has been a team effort, but I appreciate it more when the team is doing it all on their own, you know, because it really shows how hard everybody works all the time, you know. So thanks, guys. 
Well, yeah, thanks for the kind words from Nick Marotta. And also, you know, right back at Nick, I was just saying how I know what it's like to have to put those videos together. So, um, so yeah, definitely appreciation all around. Mark, any, any last words uh, um, from you, Mark O? Nope, not really. Great show. Always fun. Always glad to be here. A man of few words. But, uh, but he, uh, he, he, we don't get paid by the word. So it works out. Uh, but a man who has usually has a lot more words. Uh, Chet, anything that you have uh, left to say? I mean, we're all holding our breath, waiting for a final uh, version of Digger 3. Anything uh, that you have planned for the rest of the week? I'm just, uh, just going to be doing some, uh, some stuff for work and uh, cleaning up the levels for, uh, for Digger 3 and getting all that out there. I mean, it's uh, just the final stretch. Nothing real all that exciting about it. Okay, now I've said this before. I'm actually waiting for Digger Four. So when will that? Not happening. Okay. Nope. <laughs> no, this is the, the this is the last of of the series. I'm putting this this series to bed. It, I'm done with it. Well, you've heard it here first. There, the digging will <laughs> will come to an end. <laughs> the digging well, will come luck, to an end. end. Many luck, George Lucas will do a prequel trilogy. You know, maybe thirty <laughs> years later. <laughs> no, I'd rather not have him screw it up. I mean, if he wants to do something, he can go over. He can go over the Commodore. I mean, that's that's. Fine. <laughs> well, that's call good... it Digger Three Diggity Diggity. So perhaps we'll see Digger a New Hope at some point. <laughs> no, I mean, I, he might go right to a backhoe or something. Digger Three, Digger Three D. Digger Three D. Yeah, that's no. a possibility. No, I'm I'm done with this. This is this is. This game, this series started in '91, and and it's almost three decades old. So yeah, it's it's done, it's over. All right. Well, what a way to to end it with uh, uh, the parallax of scrolling and, the, and the, all the colors. I mean, just incredible. Yeah, ending it with what will be one of the premier games for the Coco Three. Yes. Yeah, until I release my next one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's true. And retro got something in the oven. <laughs> he always does. Retro Innovations live chat just heard the word Commodore. It said Commodore. Yeah, George Lucas is coming to screw that that, that whole genre up and just just let him do it. Uh, Brian Weasler, you joined us um, after the show started, so we didn't get a chance to talk to you. Anything that you wanted to go over? That, uh... Oh, I had a few items we can share, but we can wait till next week. Since you guys are you guys are getting near about three and a half hours, so no big deal. All right, you're. It's actually four and a half. But uh, no, it's three oh, and a half. Three and a half. It just seems like four and a half. That's it all. Feels... <laughs> but yeah, the only thing I've been working on is uh, I did post a picture out on Facebook. I'm trying to get a lot of my stuff organized a little bit oh, better. Yeah, your magazines? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. So I got a, I, I was able to get my hands on a, on a nice uh, metal shelf system, which uh, worked out really well. And uh, it's made it a little bit easier to, uh, to, um, uh, to get those organized there. But you can kind of see it here. I can, switch a camera view here you can kind of see it in the background there it is just over my head here oh yeah right there that's a shelf that uh no it's about seven foot tall so How long before uh, the lending library starts the lending library yeah <laughs> you can check out check out a book there yeah, yeah. i might be able to do that yeah there you go <laughs> boy am i going to give you late fees <laughs> you, still got, you still got books from high school that you haven't returned so <laughs> no i'm just saying some of the books you have i don't have so i might just you know accidentally lose them or something oh, sure. be uh, oh yeah i got lost in the mail so yeah <laughs> no but other than that I, I i did get a few other books there but uh we'll save it for next week 
All yeah. right, we'll, we'll keep them waiting, keep them wanting more. That's what they say. There you go. So, uh, Ron, you're you're good. You did we t- we we took enough breaks. Everything's yeah. okay. Oh right? yeah, everything's <laughs> copacetic. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, thanks for joining the panel, Brian Schubring. I just uh, I just made a decision, a fateful decision, to purchase that MIDI card from uh, Jim Brain Retro Innovations. Will I be happy with this product? He says yes. All right. Well, we we will see. Will we'll see. It's a, it's you know, it's a. Yeah, it's a. I I um I have that card. I I also bought it, and uh, Brian helped me get it going. Um, I do want to play with it more within OS nine. So I'll be kind of curious to see what uh, what uh, what you do as far as getting the driver loaded and and using it. So. Uh, I, well, I guess I'm just asking you, you know, maybe do some posting or something in Discord. As, I'm just, uh, as you move I'm just amazed that uh, Retro Innovations has a shipping product. So I'm just, uh, <laughs> just in shock. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice, uh, nice, very clean board that he put together. So yeah, yep. it's it's very clean. It's actually a little bit more stable than uh, uh, the one that Lester Hands did or the one that uh, the Glenside did because he's using uh, more modern components. And that's a few more replaced that does works the same way. So the clock is actually more rock solid because of the uh, clock circuit being used on there. So it's actually <laughs> works better. And it runs fine with Ultimuse. You've tried that already, Brian? Or? Oh, heck yeah. Ultimuse. Well, I better, I better stop uh, um, giving a Jim a crap here or, or I won't, there will be no shipping product, uh, including my product. Uh, Jason, uh, you're out there in the car. I don't know what it's like to leave the house. What? Tell me what it's. Uh, what can I experience? Should I ever leave the house again? No. Well, that's a, it's kind of kind of like it was before, but different. Yes. Uh, let's remember the before times. Um, yeah. I remember those well. Well, uh, any? Can we find out what we're? You're going? Is it is it top secret? I'm traveling the highways and byways of America in search of something or another. That's right. So That's pretty uh, generic. <laughs> always a critic, Ron. Uh, stick, stick, to, stick to your vinyl decals, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jason is uh, on his way somewhere, doing something. Uh, but as long as it's uh, within the law and with consenting adults, we, we, who are we to judge? Um, Rick, you, uh, anything that you have uh, uh, for us? Any, any closing thoughts? Well, I finally get to play with my new Ender 3D printer, and soon my plans will be complete. It sounds uh, like you should rub your hands together and, and give an evil laugh to that. Uh, <laughs> Now, will, will you be taking over the world like uh, Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs? We were talking about that. No, I'm just going to make a bunch of weird cocoa stuff and produce my own cases to fit them. Nice. All right. Cool. Might have to have a whole Rick Eulen segment after you start getting all that going. Well, I did it before. I plan to do it again. So there we go. All right. Well, we all arrived uh we talked <laughs> a lot we talked to peter cullen uh it was great to to thanks uh, peter for going uh 
through uh, your story and great to welcome you to the community. As, uh, as I said, um, I think we've uh, said it all. We've perhaps said too much. And uh, with that, uh, I think we'll uh, go to the closing credits. What do you think, uh, Curtis and Nick? Sounds good That's to me. Good. All right. Robin and Robin and I have uh, one, one last little oh, we were all for you. David. It's, this is a thank. This is a thank you to you, Rod Inman. You, were, you, you did a fantastic job. Um, wonderful job. Brilliant job. Tremendous oh. job. Oh, thank you. you know, oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, push the button, Frank. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I do appreciate that. It's finally some applause on this show. We are <laughs> very happy for that. Well, thanks for all the sound effects. I. I Someday I'll actually install a soundboard, but until then we've got uh, we've got some high quality sounds coming from uh, from your end. So I appreciate that. Well, everyone, uh, we're gonna we're gonna play the outro, and uh, we'll see you next week, same time, same uh, channel. Later, all. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Cocotalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Cocotalk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marenkis, Ron Delvo, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Stegney, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. help support the Cocoa community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Cocoa Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. 